Hello, welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast. This is episode number 111. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what is up and welcome back. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I'm in another dimension. So much has happened and it's like I'm on the other side of a new dimension. There's like stuff going into space. I just came back from like a winter wonderland to like heat. So it's just very surreal for me right now. Bitcoins collapsed, Tesla yeah. from space. Like so much has happened in the last two weeks since we've podcasted. Yeah, I thought Bitcoin was like at 19 and now it's like it was at six. Like what the hell? It's back up to eight. Thank you very much. And um, I bought some at six. Did you really? Booyah. Good for you. Yeah. I was looking. I was like, I, I got I to gotta double down. Break while the iron's hot, my man. That's right. So, yeah. So, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check out all our information at skibumpodcast.com. Check us out in the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. Facebook.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. We are on SoundCloud as Falutin Ski Bum, I think. And Pinterest as the High Falutins. Keep those pins going, man. Pin it to win it. <laughs> so let's kick it off as we always do. It's time for Opray today. So for Opray today, you want to start, Brian? Sure. So today was one of those days where I just, you just, I just got home from work and I just, I, I decided to be a fat ass and make personal nachos. Have you ever oh, had one of those nice. days? You're like, you know what? I worked out. I had a great kale shake for lunch. I get home. Fuck it. Personal, personal nachos. Personal nachos are the best, man. You don't have to share them. You don't have to worry about the nucleus. You eat them at any pace that you want. I try to, I try to limit my nacho intake to like once per quarter. But I had them at Super Bowl, so I had all my ingredients still. I had extra ones. I made a freaking like five-pound pulled pork. I sold leftovers. I'm like, you know what? Personal Damn. nachos today. So I, uh, we talked about it last time we were on the podcast that I was up in uh, Vermont and went to Alchemist, got some beers. So I traded some of my Alchemist beers with a buddy of mine, and he gave me a beer from the Single Cut Beer Smiths in Queens, New York. They're based out of Astoria. And this is called the Workers Are Going Home Double Dry Hopped IPA. Oh, wow. I like the picture on the can. Yeah, is it almost like The Sims, right? Yeah, it's like a Sim worker guy with a briefcase. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they're. Uh, I think they're kind of like a small upcoming brewery. And um, you know what? Like when you open a can of a really good like double IPA, those like that just that smell, that really, really like sharp, hoppy smell. Hoppy wheat smell. One of those kind of beers. Uh really, really tasty, very, you know, citrusy. Um a lot of 124 IBUs. So nice. If you're into hops, um, and you can get your hands on one of these, really, really good. So single cut, nice job. Very tasty. Very cool. You know, leaving work today, I worked near the right next to door to the Yingling Brewery, and they were obviously um, brewing some new beer, and they were in the wort stage because I don't know if you've ever brewed beer. You know, when you you cook the wort, the uh, all the malt and everything, and it has like a caramelly, like hoppy, barley flake, uh, smell to it. That was like throughout the entire neighborhood. It was pretty cool. Mm, nice. I was like, all right, fresh beers getting made. But uh, so for me, uh, after coming home, pretty tired, still jet lagged, 
Uh, didn't know what to put together. I wasn't really feeling, I wasn't feeling a beer today. So I was like, let me look at a cocktail. I don't really have a lot at home right now to make a cocktail. I have a lot of bourbon. So I was like, you know, I need to pick me up because I'm falling asleep. So I'm thinking I got to go with a monster. So I open a monster. I start drinking that. I start texting, uh, been hanging out with somebody that uh, she works at corporate for a big restaurant chain. So I'm talking to her about how tasty this monster is. It's the Mango Loco Monster Juice. It's actually really good. Oh, you know what? When we were up at Killington last time, they had a free giveaway, the Monster Tent. I had one of those. It's, it's surprisingly good. good, right? Like a mango juice, right? Yeah, it actually tastes like um, what you would use for a margarita or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there drinking now. While I was on vacation, I had a mango smoothie and I had a little flask of bourbon. So I put them together. Voila, it tasted awesome. So what did I do? I took a little bit of Eagle Rare and I took a little bit of Mango Loco Monster and boom, we have, I have a lot of bad names, a lot of unpolitically correct, like retarded whiskey sour, uh, redneck whiskey sour, like, Eagle I don't bourbon. know, Mango Loco Bourbon, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it actually doesn't taste too bad. I'd call that freedom in a glass. I was actually trying to get this person to Liquid Trump. <laughs> I was I was telling her, I was like, we need to get this on the menu as a standing thing at your restaurants, highfalutin ski bum, mango loco bourbon. Boom. I like it. I think we should call it liquid trump. MLB, mango loco bourbon. <laughs> liquid trump. Liquid trump. It's orange. It could be a lot of names for it, but uh, then, then we got into a discussion of how we have to sponsor the menus to get credit. And like, no, we're going to do it grassroots. I'm going to go in there with stickers and put stickers on every menu saying, this is the highfalutin ski bum version of this drink. So I like it. Yeah, that I was surprised how good that, that mango Oh, it's delicious. Was. It's not too um, – it doesn't taste like the fake sweet either. It tastes like regular – sugar in there and there's of course all the other chemicals and but it actually tastes like there's real mango juice in it and i'm like not too bad yeah it's kind of cool too it's like the uh like the day of the dead that kind of decoration right like the mexican day of the dead thing yeah yeah um and that with bourbon is not bad i tell you not too shabby yeah because usually when you have an energy drink usually you default to like a a vodka as your liquor of choice to, to mix with it but i can uh, see yeah. doing this with um tequila and doing like a uh ah tequila margarita. that would be really good with that put on ice a lot of ice and tequila margarita with that that would be really good because oh. it's got a good flavor it has the mix flavor of like a mango margarita mix and you know what if you throw some like real like get some like frozen mangoes and blend them up boom now you're talking I think we've got a uh, some summer summer drink potential there, and it's got the taurine and the vitamins. It'll keep you going, man. It's not it's not bringing. It's got what plants crave. It's gonna get you crunk and up. <laughs> like it's gonna be like woo. So and if you have mangoes in there, you got vitamin C. That's right. And apparently, man. wasn't like a Seinfeld where like uh, Kramer was saying like mangoes is like good for the libido. Oh, and George is eating, and he's like, mangoes. I think it moves. He's like, I, I gotta go. Marie couldn't yeah. get it up. It's like it's like a B twelve. It's just, it's like a shot of B twelve. That's what he said. Pretty much. Oh, this has a lot of B vitamins: B two, B three, B six, B twelve. 
No B5, though, huh? No B5. Damn. And beyond. <laughs> so we got beyond. a couple of uh, booze stories to go along with the app parade today. This came from the good folks in England. Their government wants you to narc on pubs that serve two small pints. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. I'll go for that. Yeah. Rather than solving Brexit or stopping the privatization of the NHS, the City of London Trading Standards Body has started, quote, excuse me, quote unquote, short measure, a campaign that asks people to call out pubs in their if their pints are too small. Homelessness is up for the eighth year in a row, but who cares when there are landlords trying to get one over on you with a slightly too small lager? Wow. So a pint should be 95 beer and 5% head. Anything less, and the pub is underselling. Hmm. In 2009, it was reported that 9 out of 10 pints were under the standard measurement. Wow. The standards trading body has distributed beer mats to pubs in the city of London containing this information. The mats are designed to help consumers measure their pints with helpful markings, as well as encouraging them to ask for a, quote, top-up. Should their drink fall short of a standard size? To report pubs to the trading standards body if staff are unhelpful (sighs) with this request, which seems a little 1984, to be honest. Hey, I don't know. I like it, man. And I tell you what, I think you've seen it. I've seen it in Germany where people, they lose their shit if that beer is not up at that line because they have a line on every glass. Yeah. Not on the line. People freak out. Rightly so. Yeah. Well, remember... uh, Remember like the time we were in Utah and the they they're such they're such a hard on there for like uh for the precision like everything comes with that special like if you get a mixed drink they have that little like like uh attachment where it automatically measures it out like so there's yeah. no it's the electronic no extra booze yeah yeah can you, you get one drop more you're just asking for robot bartenders now that's really what you're asking for well you're asking for bartenders to pour a proper beer. And that's that's what I like because it's not like any dummy can just pour a beer a beer cup of foam, right? You got to pour regular beer. You got to know how to the basics of pouring a beer. Well, I would hope that someone who is interested in the a bartending profession would at least have the care of the craft to know how to pour a proper pint. That's just it too. If you're in London, that's a beer community. That's a beer culture. If you can't pour a pint, you're yeah. gonna get the shit kicked out of you eventually. Yeah, remember it was always so funny. It felt like imported beers were so special. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, the beers they make in America are way better. Way better. Everything oh. we do here is better. God. It's it's the magical IPA. We're the king of it. Yeah. Enjoy your uh three hundred year old freaking recipe made with dog piss and horse guts. <laughs> you know what I love about this story though? This is such a big concern that they're going through all this. Don't worry about fighting terrorism. Don't worry about balancing a budget. We're we're worried about the improper beer pouring in our neighborhood. I fucking love it. This is what life should be. The British empire fell in the first place, but this is what life should, we should aspire to have only this as our main concern. That should be, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That means you, that means everything else is running, right? We're just worried about the the little things that creature comforts that we, I I, I would not say things were quite running right. (laughs) I'm thinking you're just ignoring a lot of the problems that are in front of you. Yeah, that's right. You know what? Don't bother trying to find a mate outside the family. You can just marry, you know, good old cousin Julia over here. (laughs) 
yeah, her teeth are a little off and she's cross-eyed, but you know what? She's family. Incest, the game, the, the game the whole family can play. I don't know. What do you think the royal family? Why do you think they all look the way they do? Because of inbreeding. And we're back to the teeth. <laughs> back to the teeth. <laughs> all right. So uh, next up we got Heavenly. The Heavenly Outpress games are, outpress, uh, games are coming. So Winter Olympics start on February 9th. And while you could just watch them from your couch, why would you? Go up to Tahoe. There's some interactive viewing, spend a day skiing or riding at Heavenly. And what they're doing is they're going to host the Heavenly Opry Games at Unbuckle February 9th, 10th, 16th, and 17th during happy hour. So they're going to have skills, challenges, prizes, drinks, food, specials. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. I'm just wondering if they are going to have Galante Coffin. Because oh, that would be pretty awesome. It's a contest for Opry. We That's talked about it. this last week when uh, when Rich was on. Yes. Opry Games. He turned us on to this, and then he talked about it last week. And the videos are amazing. It's like at Jackson Hole's where it started, right? Yeah, the Galindy Quaffing. <laughs> I want to know if they're going to have that there, because I got to see if it's spreading. That would be kind of cool to see if that, that sport is uh, spreading. Yeah, they were talking about it, but I think we we talked about a bunch of the events that they're going to have at this, and they were all like things they stole from Minute to Win It. Oh, that's right. This is the the yeah. It's basically Minute to Win It on in in the snow. Pretty much, yeah. But you know, we're recording this on the eighth, which is the day of the uh, technically when the Olympics starts. But uh, so tomorrow, when this is released, which will be today, when you listen to it, that'll be the first day. So. Friday the 9th, Saturday the 10th, and then the week after, the 16th Friday and the 17th Saturday, they are going to have these going on at Unbuckle at Heavenly. Now, my question is, are they going to have North Korean cheerleaders from the cheer team over there? Because that would be interesting. Um, I think the best they're going to do is North <laughs> Tahoe cheerleaders, not necessarily That's North Korean. Just say, you know what you do what you can do. You know, you play the hand you're dealt. Life, life gives you North, uh, you know, California cheerleaders. You, you take it. North Tahoe's. <laughs> North Tahoe's. That's right. <laughs> um, but I'm interested to see. They should add Glondy Coffin. Want to see if it? I mean, they have a, a, a league for professional eating. They got to have a league for Glondy Coffin. It's got to be on ESPN. That's a real sport. Oh, yes, it involves is. drinking, but you know. <laughs> They have Texas Hold'em on, on ESPN. I mean, Dude, they on. have like darts and stuff there now. Darts. Oh, you ever watch a dart match? I used to go to no. a um <laughs> I used to go to a dart store in Buffalo because I used to play a lot of darts when I was in school. And um just one of the things you do up there, you just play a shit ton of darts. It's cold, so you stay inside, drink, and play darts. And uh I remember going to the dart store and they would have these tapes of like the world championship of dart, and it's like all right, that guy hit what he was going for. The next guy hit what he's going for. It's like, it, it's like boring shit. You're just watching these dudes like shoot darts. I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Then again, I used to not be into soccer, and I could watch soccer now. So I guess you you grow into it. I guess so. <laughs> All right. So I guess with that, let's get into the Genjula. We do have our Frank's Bean of the Week. And this yeah. is actually a... That's a, a late-breaking story. I didn't see it before. It's late-breaking, but it's actually late-breaking from last week. Ah, there we go. So last week, um, while Mario was in lovely Valtorens, 
I uh, forgot about everything here too. Groundhog like. Day went down. What? I missed Groundhog Day. So good old Puxatawney Phil, he saw his shadow, which nice. means there's six more weeks of winter. As we saw in the weather this week, this is holding up very true with snow hitting everybody. For the Frank's Bean of the Week this week, we're going with, in honor of the groundhog, the strain called the hog. The hog is regarded as one of the strongest strains in the world and won the High Times Cannabis Cup for the best indica in 2002. Damn. The strain is recognized by its pungent aroma, indicative of its world-renowned, extremely heavy body buzz. In fact, it is so potent that many advise cautionary dosage control. <laughs> dosage control. Wow. The short plant is relatively easy to grow indoors or outdoors and has a flowering time between eight and 10 weeks. So yeah, the hog can mess you up. And the number one effect from the hog is giggliness and sleepiness. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad at all. Best part of that is you just have to have like one tiny bit of the dose. So it's like you, you optimize the usage of all that you have. Hog it up. Yeah. Don't be a hog. Don't be a hog with the hog. That's right. <laughs> so thank you, Frank, for this week's bean of the week. Awesome. All right. And then while we're in the gondola, uh, Canadian brewer files technology patent for cannabis beer. So Providence brands, uh, filed a provisional patent for the world's first beer brewed from the cannabis plant in July. Uh, so it's, it's you know, keeping that trend going of stoking interest from drinks in the industry um, since one of the, the big beer companies, Constellation Brands, uh, bought a 10% stake in a Canadian marijuana company, Canopy Growth Corp, for 141 million pounds, which is... That's a lot of money. That's about what, close to two two hundred million dollars or whatever, right? Roughly, yeah. Um, because they were planning to make cannabis infused drinks, so this Canadian brewer filed for the patent for beer, which uh, I guess Constellation is going after drinks, you know, to start. Which there's a lot of other drinks out there, uh, and I guess they want to jump into the market. So they're actually saying. Um, that uh, they're, you know, hedging their bet that everything's going to be made uh, legal for recreational use in all American states. And they just want to get a jump on the competition. So it's kind of like a little bit of speculation, but they'll be able to start creating a good formula and maybe, you know, working it to wherever it's legal. So that's kind of interesting to see. So uh, there are, um, they're saying there's there's a a surge in funding. following constellations and entry into the industry. So a lot of people are looking at this uh, as a trend. So pretty yeah, interesting. Canada is going officially legal across the country July 1st. Yeah. So this is, this is actually really going to come out. Something you can do Trump. Just if you're listening the Donald, just listen, man, just make it legal federally. Everything will fall into place. You, want, you, get, you want Americans to have jobs. The cannabis industry is a, has huge potential, tremendous huge. potential. I'm talking at least a 20% popularity bump <laughs> in your numbers. Yeah, seriously, right? So what's yeah, cool you're going to piss some people off, but just saying. <laughs> it, what, it's cool. It says that uh, 
Other companies have produced cannabis-laced beers and wines, but Province Brands is the first global company to produce beers brewed entirely from the cannabis plant, describing its products as alcohol-free, yet highly intoxicating, and with a dose-response curve similar to that of alcohol. Nice. So there's no hops or no beer stuff in it at all? No. Only from cannabis. No alcohol. It's all cannabis. Yeah. So it's it's basically marijuana juice. Marijuana juice. Just the juice. It's fermented marijuana juice. But I guess it's fermented. Wouldn't it have alcohol in it? I guess it could develop alcohol, yeah, with the fermentation. Yeah, it says it's low calorie, low sugar, and mostly gluten-free. Wow. You like it as juice, huh? I get you more juice. I don't get where the gluten would come from, I guess. Um, yeast then? Well, I guess regular beer usually has gluten, right? Unless they make it yeast, with- isn't it? Yeah, but I guess the gluten-free beer that I've had, I don't know, they make it with something else. I don't know if it's different grains or no yeast or I don't know. So here it says cannabis drinks are expected to be made legal in Canada as early as 2019. But I think they're trying to... I thought they're trying to go legal July 1st. Another reason to ski whistler next year. Right? (laughs) Pretty much. It's going to be a party up there. Yeah. It's always a party up there. Oh, yeah. All right. And that wraps up the gondola. So with that... Let's go to ski news. So, you know, we're in early early to mid-February right now. So we're just getting to the peak of the ski season. And there are tons and tons of stories this week. So let us get to it. First one, we reported the a uh, couple weeks ago, the last podcast about, actually it was a few podcasts ago, about the new Altera Mountain Company forming. And they've now officially named a new CEO. They've appointed Rusty Gregory as the chief executive officer. Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> he is an, an investor in the company and has been a member of the board of directors since the company's inception in August of 2017. Mr. Gregory is an experienced travel industry executive and proven mountain resort innovator. And this is pretty cool. His career in the ski industry spans 40 years, starting as a lift operator at Mammoth Mountain in California, where he rose through the ranks to become the owner and the company's chairman and CEO for over 20 years. So now he's actually, so now he's actually become the head lifty. <laughs> pretty much the king of the lifties, yeah. King of the lifties, I like it. He went from a lifty to a friggin' CEO of, of a, not just the mountain, of a friggin' conglomerate of mountains. That's awesome. Because you know that guy could walk around, but like know what every job is supposed to do and call people out on their shit. I like it. Yeah, right? You're not just getting some like dickhead from like, you know, finance to move. Yes. I know how to work this number and just we'll talk about the EBITDA and the way our chart is going this way and that way. And, you know, I worked at Dildo Bank and now I'm the head (laughs) of the ski company. No, this guy is, is all ski, all travel you know, throughout his whole career. So that's cool. This is interesting. So, you know, we're, you know, we're kind of wondering how this is all going to pan out with, you know, these uh, kind of duopoly forming in the ski industry, but uh, this, uh, it'll, it'll be cool to see how it, how it goes. Um, 
BA saying he was a lift operator, an equipment operator, lift maintenance and construction supervisor, ski instructor, <sighs> Hella ski guide, director of human resources, and chief administrative officer. So he should be doing all those jobs at the same time. Like one day he should jump in a helicopter, be like operating that. Like that'd be kind of cool. Elon Musk of skiing. That's yeah, that's right. Elon Musk. Skilon, oh, Skilon Musk. Musk. I like it. Mm. Hashtag Skilon Musk. We're going to take credit for that. There it is. I'm taking credit for that. You're welcome, world. <laughs> You're welcome, Elon. <laughs> so, so good luck, Mr. Gregory, with your endeavor. And we look very forward to uh, to seeing how this plays out. Um, all right, next up, we got uh, Mount Snow, which was formerly our home mountain and still near and dear to our heart is taking the next step in the Corinthian expansion plan. So if, if anybody hasn't been to Mount Snow, it's in Vermont. It's a pretty dope mountain, uh, very family-oriented, but some good terrain there. And Corinthia is a really cool um, snowboarder park. Um, they have, like, big half-pipe. They usually have a lot of, a lot of big, you know, terrain features for, for snowboard. I think they even do, like, a big event there, right? It's um, They did the X Games there one year. Yeah, so and they usually have some big events like one one a year, like a really huge one. But so they're doing this this next phase. They started on expanding it. Uh it was always kind of there, tucked away, kind of you know, just there with great terrain but not a lot of facilities and and places to stay. Yeah, it was like um, an afterthought almost at the little lodge they had there and the slow lift. Yeah, like they did cool stuff and they had like that little lodge was tiny it was just not sized for the amount of people that would be there um so you know they started construction and they started doing the expansion uh their next level of expansion phase two is going to include a 102 luxury two and three bedroom condominium hotel um so and they're talking about uh 1100 to 2100 square foot units uh, in five buildings in the base area, which is huge because they they had just one little like hut there, right? Um, they have an amenity center, year-round pool, exercise equipment, sauna, massage rooms. Uh, so it's going to be a nice nice thing. They're going to have you know a snow play area, an area for weddings, events in the summer. So they're really going to build that out, which would be kind of cool. And they're going to raise money using uh, the <laughs> what JP got got. Uh, caught for misusing uh the eb5 program so they're actually saying um they're gonna rate they want to raise about 94 million dollars and they're opening up with the eb5 program which allows foreign investors that will get um i guess they get in return for their investment they get the you know percent return but they also get citizenship i believe it is that's kind of the whole program uh, so they're actually saying that investors should expect about a uh, was it a three percent return on their investment, which they said is higher than most investments of EB five, which are only between one and two percent. So uh, it'll be pretty cool. So they're saying for each investment uh, of at least five hundred thousand uh, dollars, it's supposed to create a minimum of ten jobs um, in the U.S. So it's kind of like a whole program designed to get foreign money convert it to U.S. jobs and give them at least temporary or, or permanent citizenship uh, as a return along with uh, some profit, which, you know, it's supposed to work out well just as long as it's not misused. But uh, good for them. Uh, hopefully they're, they're saying it's going to create um, about, they're estimating about uh, almost 1,400 jobs 
to be created. Wow. Which is a lot. I mean, especially for up to in that area. So small area. Cool. Yeah. 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 They're saying too, that the, um, the, the Corinthian base lodge, uh, is going to be completed this year. It's going to be 37,000 square feet. Um, and will house gear services, including a cafeteria, restaurant, bar, guest services, bag check, rentals, retail office, and a convenience store. Very nice. And the big hotel is is looking to open in 2021. Now, they're saying that they're going to have 37,000 unit stays available per year. Now, the thing I, I'm I'm wondering is, you know, Mount Snow. I mean, it's decent size, but if they're going to have that many more people there, I don't know if they have the terrain to to sustain that. Because I know, it, you know, skiing there on a weekend, it gets there is only so many places you can go on the mountain. Well, I think the problem is there's, there's a lot of people there that don't have adequate places to stay on mountains. So they just stay off. So I think it's mainly consolidating those people to be around the mountain a little bit more in those consolidated areas. Maybe. I don't maybe, know. Or it's going to add more people. It could be. Yeah. I imagine it's going to attract more people with the amenities, you know? I wonder too, if there's somehow, if, if they're even, again, this article doesn't mention it, but I wonder if they're looking to lease more land as well. Um, and build mm. some additional terrain because I, I feel like if they're going to add this many more people, they're going to need more terrain to get people distributed all over the mountain a bit more. Yeah. That'd be interesting. It gets pretty crowded there on a, on a, on a weekend. I want to know what the what the toilet situation is going to be. Are they going to expand the toilets so that they have enough, or you know what's going on? What's going on with that? That's that's critical to know. Everybody poops. Just saying. Inquiring minds want to know. Well, also the town, like the infrastructure of the town. There wasn't much to Mount Snow Town. Like, there's gonna if there's more people that are going to be there, you're going to need more. Like, so they they're going to have a convenience store, but like. I'm sure if people are going to stay in a big unit with like cooking facility, they want like a shopping center or something. So. It's got the 7-Eleven. What else? That's do you seven, need? 7-Eleven is golden, man. What else do you need? You know what you need? You need a second level on the 7-Eleven. Or a sub, a subterrain, like a subterranean 7-Eleven floor for the 7-Eleven. You can see like a little tiny 7-Eleven and then next to it, like the 7-Eleven extension, which would be like five times the size of it, but like a yeah. Walmart. That's funny. Yeah, at 7 Lab is magical. <laughs> Anything you need, they'll have it there. You get a Michael Jordan jersey or some Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> or fireworks. Or fireworks. Or eggs. Like, yep. just all in the same place. Like, in the same cart. <laughs> if they don't have it there, you don't need it. That's right. All right, next up. So, we mentioned it already once before. The Olympics are starting, technically today. Opening ceremonies are starting tomorrow the 9th. And... There, um, the, the one tricky thing about watching the games this year is the time differences because you know it's taking place in South Korea, and I believe there is it 12 hours ahead or <laughs> somewhere between like 12 and 16 hours ahead. Yeah, so time, time can be a little funky, but you know, NBC is doing their prime time thing like they always do, and also, too, I was watching just before if you go if you have NBC Sports the uh the channel or the app they have some live events going on but they've announced you know in prime time what they're going to show so tomorrow's the opening ceremony the ninth and then they're going to have the men's downhill on the 10th at 
9 p.m. Eastern. <sighs> Sunday the 11th, you got Women's Moguls, Women's Giant Slalom, and Women's Giant Slalom Run 2. So both runs. Monday, we got Men's Moguls, Men's Combined Downhill, and Men's Combined Slalom. Tuesday, Women's Slalom Run 1, and Women's Slalom Run 2. Now, what is the combined downhill and the combined slalom? What's that? What do you mean by combined downhill and combined slalom? Um, it's for the well for the combined event. There's the two events. There's the downhill and the slalom together. Oh, so together and they okay. Yeah. And then um, women's slalom on Tuesday, men's super G on Wednesday, and then Friday you got women's aerials, women's super G, and women's slope side. Because there's the the Alpine combined. That's the other one that I love. Yes. That's a crazy one. one. That one is pretty cool. And then also, too, while we're talking about the Olympics, a big shout-out to A.J. Muss, who is is a a snowboarder. He's doing the Parallel Giant Slalom uh, snowboard, and he is in my new hometown. He's out there in South Korea. He's ready to do his thing. He's had a tremendous story, too. I mean, he was in a medically induced coma for two weeks a couple of years ago, was going to retire, but now he's he's back and he's in the Olympics, so, you know, representing the U.S. So big shout-out to AJ. Good luck, have man. Luck, have fun, and uh, look forward to seeing you compete. Bring home a medal, man. That'd be great. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's boarding up the 10th. So You know, last week when I was on a ski vacation, I think I was in an alcohol-induced coma. Does that count? Is that a... Is that a savior success story? I uh, is that a teaser <laughs> for the main topic? I don't know. I'm just saying, <laughs> it could be another. That could be an Oprah story, an Oprah book moment. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find Jesus that day in the bottle? I found him a few times. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tends to, he tends to show himself at the strangest times and the tr- strangest places. So exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. So there has been crowned in Jackson Hall, a king and queens of Corbett's. So, um, Did you watch these videos? No, so you're going to have to speak to this because I didn't get a chance to watch these. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this, this is like the first ever like kings and queens of Corbett's. That's awesome. And the video, I mean, you just see these, like, these men and women. I mean, you know, you've seen – I think everyone who's ever gone to Jackson has watched the Corbett's videos before oh. going out there. And you see some people kind of like sidestepping in and sliding in and they, they can say they did Corbett's. Yes. But, um, for this competition, I mean, these people just freaking launched all in into it. I mean, it is, it is unbelievable. They're like shooting off the, um, the left side up there. Like you really realize just how shitty you are of a skier. Because, they're like they're skiing from you know I don't know a couple hundred feet before the entrance and just launching in. That's Which, awesome. You know what? If you think about it, it's actually probably easier than dropping in the main uh, the main entrance. Well, so here's the thing: like you get past the shock of getting into Corvus because you're flying in first, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like you know you're you're kind of pulling that bandaid off, I guess. In a way, but you know what? If you have the uh, if you can land launching in, you can avoin those two gnarly turns in the game. Well, so 
Let's talk a little about. So they're talking about big mountain skiers here, right? Yeah. Big mountain skiers are fucking. They will launch off of anything. It's just like a different breed of skier. You got your downhill. You got your slalom. You got your. Everybody's got moguls. You got your style of stuff. Fucking big mountain is just like I will ski and throw myself off of anything. It's crazy. It's definitely. It's definitely another breed in the art form of skiing. But it definitely also helps having like four feet of powder to land in too. Versus, yeah. you know, ice. Yeah, you still gotta have the cojones to do it. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm I'm too used to skiing on ice to be able to just jump in. No regret, no regrets. Yeah, she had about the the. I'm looking at the video of uh, the top woman, and it was probably a good 25 foot drop. She landed going yeah. in. 25 30 foot drop. Yeah, it's all right. It's you know a bit pedestrian, but it's okay. Yeah, well, you know what she mean. That's pretty crazy, man. That's pretty cool competition. Forget it. They were just. So now we now we get back to so does the king and the queen winner have to breed to make a super big mountain skier? X game champion. Yes. (laughs) Boom. Like, do they breed with the X game champion? Like, what do we do? No, they breed to create the next (laughs) X game champion. There you go. And we're back to make America great again. They're going to do it for us. And we're back to creating the the super Olympic skier or big is big is big mountain. That's never been on the on the um, on the Olympics, right? Not even as a trial. Mm, I guess because he did big so. air, right? Big air is different. That was adopted from the X Games, and I think big air is in the Olympics this year, right? Officially adopted formally for the Nagano Olympics. So I guess it's snowboard, but I think they were trying to get it for. For skiing as well? For skiing. Or it was for skiing. I think it, this year it's going to be... Yeah, so... Yeah, for winter of 2018, the Olympic debut as Big Air Snowboarding. So they have a Big Air skiing. They're going to do Big Air Snowboarding this year. That'd okay. be cool to watch. Oh, Yeah. Because I remember there was something about it. It was like it didn't get adopted for the last one, and people were pissed off. And but that's pretty cool. So yeah, so uh, Carl Fosvet and Katie Zeliff were crowned the kings and queen of Corbett's on Saturday, February third, at the mm-hmm. Free Skier twentieth anniversary party. And hopefully, they get together and they make sweet, sweet love and have a few little babies that are Olympic champions. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and they celebrated with a PBR at the at the moose. That's the right. Moose. Ah, the Meiji moose. Good chicken wings there. I gotta say, some of the mountain food is better than like. I've been searching for good chicken wings down here. They don't have. They don't. They don't cook them right. Just, just saying. The moose had good wings. Oh yeah, that did everything. Yeah. Excellent. All right, so next up we have Vail Resorts. Um, they have gotten Telluride to join the Epic Pass. So uh, anybody that has that Epic Pass, I'm sure you've already heard this, um, and it's probably a pretty awesome um, declaration for you. But I guess they used to be on the Mountain Collective, and now they join the Epic Pass. So it's kind of like, you know, there are some mountains that are just, you know, flopping from one to the other, but... I think that's great if you're if you're planning a trip and you're going to do um, 
you know, you want to throw Telluride into the rotation. Um, it's funny. Like I wear my Telluride stuff out, Brian, and I, people comment like, Oh, I was in Telluride. Like I had somebody I was talking to, like, I got married in Telluride. I'm like, you're in Florida. Like how the hell did you get married? Oh, we took a vacation out there and, and we were skiing. I'm like, Holy crap. You actually meet so many people just wearing that stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, it is one of the most awesome places to ski at. I know my neighbors, they, uh, they have Telluride stickers on their car. And they're like, they're like, you know, we don't even bother going to Vermont anymore. We just do a trip to Telluride every year. That's that's what you should do. It's awesome. I like it, but I don't think I could just do one trip a year skiing. I would be losing my mind. I'm losing my mind right now, only going once every couple of weeks. I'm losing your damn mind. Oh my goddamn mind. mind. That's right, man. Slowly. That's right. So there's no ski makes Brian a pissed off boy. So uh my buddy Harry and I, so we were uh, trying to catch up with the A-team on the trip, and we'll get more into that later. And we got we got dropped because we were just too slow getting out of the hotel. And uh, th- this other girl in the call. Harry had three beers in the morning. Actually, he forgot his gloves in, in the room. And we're like, shit, we were all ready. We're going. This other girl on the call. So we wound up skiing with her. She's an awesome skier. Find out she was a lifty in, at Telluride. Oh, nice. She's like, she loved it. She said they actually gave her a, an hour and a half um, every day break for a ski break. So you had your lunch break, your ski break, and you worked. I was like, that's awesome. So, that is so goddamn awesome. I'm going to look for jobs that Telluride incubator after the podcast. Telluride is just it's an awesome little town and everything. It's pretty cool. It's just perfect. And you know who was there? Twiddle, baby. We saw Twiddle there. And Kurt Russell. And Russell. And Twiddle. allegedly Quentin Tarantino. Twiddle. That one girl all, all night. Twiddle. Even while she's watching Twiddle. She's yelling Twiddle. And those guys. I can't believe Twiddle came here, man. <laughs> the Grateful Dead guy was awesome. I will never forget that guy. He's one of my favorite people on earth. Uh, he probably so- hasn't been not high in like decades. <laughs> Such good memories. And then there's the Irish coffee incident. <laughs> uh, some call it an incident. Some call it a, an awakening. It was, you know, what was awesome is that freight train of heat just hitting me saying, hello, I'm here. You know, they hit us both at the same time. Hello, I'm here. Remember me, Mr. Weed <laughs> right here. Motherfucker. <laughs> You're know, burning hell. <laughs> <laughs> See you in hell, motherfucker. <laughs> on, the, on the weed train. See you in hell, motherfucker. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was pretty, that was about it. Yeah, that was glorious. <laughs> Way to go, Telluride. Yeah, oh, it's a special place. All right, so now we have this weird, interesting little story. There's a company that has created a new product called Snow Feet. And according to them, it is the new booming winter sport. Hmm. What is Snow Feet, you ask? Amazon. Well, I will do my best to describe it. Think of a snowboard binding attached to your foot. And I don't see any pictures seeing the underneath part, but there must be some sort of, I don't know if it's some, I, I don't know what we, what kind of surface it has. If it has a, a like a, a runner, like a skate, but I don't know. Looking at the video, it's like, I don't know if it's a fake video or not. It looks like a dude just on regular boots. <laughs> yeah, but it's almost this thing is like a combination of skating and skiing. So you have this buckle binding piece that goes, you kind of step into it and you clip it on. 
and you can just slide on it or you can walk around on it. So they show this dude cruising down, you know, regular ski runs that people are, you know, obviously skiing and boarding down and he's just cruising like he's, you know, in in his shoes. Sliding in his shoes, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm like, <laughs> you know, it looks kind of weird doing it on the mountain. What would be awesome is to use it like around town. If you were somewhere where it was always snowy, just like skating around town, but not having to actually have like ice skates or a frozen ice surface that they would work on. If you just cruise around on snow like that, that would be fantastic. That'd be pretty cool. So I have a question. Is this the evolution of the snowblade or is this a whole different product? No, it's a whole different product. You know how skis went like shorter now? Like they, they used to, people used to ski on like two tens, two twenties, like enormous things, and then they kind of shrunk down. Is this the shrinking down of the snowblade? No, I think this is a, just a whole different thing. I think we're branching off into something totally different. Because hmm. the snowblade's still around, I'm sure snowbladers are like that bullshit, man. You got to have like skis. This, you guys are cheating. Now snowblades, sure you actually wear like regular ski boots, right? With them. I th- yeah, I think so. Mono skiers are up in rage every day. Yeah. Just saying that's that's a whole different different conversation. But yeah, they've gotten the shaft for too long. Do they have mono skis of these uh, snow feet? Mono snow feet. You know what? You can always get a bungee cord and stick them together if you really or want. Mono snowblades. Well, the problem is with these, you actually have to push off like you're skating. You know, so it's kind of like you're skating on the mountain. Yeah, what happens if you're on like a can you traverse in a mono ski? I guess you can't, right? You gotta, I guess, like, yeah, I guess it's like a snowboard. You can't really one out and kick, yeah, like a snowboard. Yeah, well, I guess these uh snow feet can you play hockey on the mountain? Then I think you can, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, see, kind of skate around like hockey, but on snow. Now you don't even need ice, you'd have a whole professional league. This could be a whole new thing. High flute and ski bum, professional <laughs> snow feet hockey league. Snow football. So, oh, snow football. Boom. Or snow feet ball. Yeah, in your face, XFL. Yeah, Red Bull. <laughs> what you, that's right. What you got? You got nothing, Red Bull. <laughs> I think yeah, this can go somewhere. We'll post on the uh, website. shows you what it looks like when you're doing it. I'm going to have to reach out to some investors about our leagues. We're yeah. going to have uh, Snow Feet Hockey League, Snow Feet Football. With basketball, we can probably do basketball if you want in the snow. Soccer, definitely. Soccer. Well, well football and football. We'll just call them the same. And we'll people won't s- know. No, I'll call it Snoker. Snoker. No, no, I say you just call it football. And then when people show up, they don't know if you're playing football or football. <laughs> I, think it, I think we could call it Snocker. Snowball. Just call it Snowball. No, it's soccer. Soccer <laughs> you get, with snow. You call it snowball. You get some creepy dudes expected something else other than a sporting event. Let's put it that way. Oh man, that'd be that'd be all over all over that. Got Urban Dictionary. If you want more details, I'm not even. Don't no, you. please don't. It's That's on, on you. you. It's on you. But you throw everybody off that way. You just it's all misdirection. Like you, you just buy a ticket and you show up. Like I don't know what I'm going to see here. Could be a sporting event. Could be football. Could be soccer. I don't know. It'd be kind of nice. Snowball. Call it snowball. Could be a snowball fight. You show up, you're just getting pelted with snowballs. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Again, to the Urban Dictionary. Yep. 
All right. Um, so now we're on for the uh, award for the best accidental Super Bowl ad goes to Brian. Good folks at Sunday River, Maine. So I know you were doing some severe jet lag there during your uh, during the big game, as they call it. But uh, during Justin Timberlake's performance, I did see this. I saw the halftime show. It was pretty cool. Did you? I, I was actually in the kitchen cleaning up my pretzel crusted chicken fingers that I made. <laughs> but yeah, there was this this kid was like taking a selfie, and he's rocking the uh, the Sunday River Maine sweatshirt. You know, it's funny. I didn't notice the sweatshirt. I just noticed, like, because I know he went up in the stands. So he's singing. He did a good performance or whatever, and he goes up into the stands, which is pretty neat. I'm like, I guess he didn't care that anybody's going to jack him or whatever or whatever. <laughs> and he hangs out with this kid. The kid's taking a selfie, and it's pretty cool. They have the picture now. Sunday River, man. Yeah, he's rocking the Sunday River sweatshirt. So Free advertising. He should get a free lift ticket for life. That's a Super Bowl ad right there. Dude, that's could you get a freaking um like a freaking pass for there for life? Should be the king of like Sunday River, free pass, whatever he wants. Anything, eat or drink, just come on in, man. We got you he taken care freaking of. Carte Blanche. And then he was on um I think they had him on the Today Show or something the next morning or something. Was he wearing the same shirt? <laughs> that <laughs> is the question. I cannot confirm nor deny. Because then you know the Sunday River people got to him. Yeah, <laughs> big snow got to him. Big snow, big snow. Damn it, big, big snow. snow. <laughs> That's right. Big snow rolled in and said, Bought and sold." We got you, kid. Wear the shirt. Be golden. We talked about it on the last podcast, and now we got a little bit of a a recap. But we should have a bigger recap, hopefully, in the next week or so. Outdoor yeah, retailer. That. Outdoor retailer. So that was uh, we're. We have the link to Free Skiers, best of outdoor retailer. Um, but we had our intern out there doing some research, doing a little uh, little marketing for us, a little schmoozing, talking to some people. But she gave us the two biggest things that buzz-wise that she found interesting and it had a lot of hype behind it. So number one was the Oakley Prism React Goggles. And what these are is they took the regular fall line XL goggles that have like the, they have like no, um, there's no frame. Uh, it's just a, the biggest field of vision you could have with the goggles. And they now have the ability to switch the tint of the lenses. So you have dark, medium, and light all within the one goggle. And they use the, uh, a shifting of ions in the two ultra thin lenses inside the goggle. Um, And it doesn't really add any sort of bulk to it. You know, like I think some original, like other ones have done it in the past. have had some sort of like big bulky side piece connected to it, but it's actually like a charge that, that shifts the ions kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been in a high end office and they actually have the uh, conference windows. Like you have a window wall. And you can press a button and it fogs. It's kind of the same idea. Yeah, I think that it's, yeah, just like you're mentioning, it's just like that. So they've gotten it down where it doesn't really require any sort of, you know, any sort of big battery pack or anything additional to make it too bulky. So, and you know, the price isn't even that bad either. They announced they're probably going to be under 300 bucks. 
coming out this fall. So, so the air brakes are the air brakes are like 250, 280, right? This, well, the what was the one the air wave that had the um, it had the little like screen in there and it had oh, the yeah. wrist thing you had to get. It was like a almost like a bracelet, like a remote control. Yeah, for the heads up, right? You had the heads up display and a bunch of information details, and those were like six hundred. Wow. Um, but yeah, these are like going to be under three hundred and have pretty much because if you buy, you know, a set of goggles now, a good set, you're spending at least one hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks. An extra lens is probably another hundred bucks too. So here you're getting three lenses, nothing else to switch around or change or possibly break. You just uh, press the buttons and and get the lens color you need, which is. Those are that's really cool. So that is pretty neat. Hopefully, we can get our hands on some of those for next season. That would be really cool to test out. Oh yeah. So besides that, now this was announced. They actually had a press release for it back in December, but I think they they brought it, you know, for people to to look at and test. This is the Solomon new S Lab Shift Hybrid binding for 2018, and this is a result of. Almost a decade of R&D, um, Solomon has released the S-Lab Shift MNC binding for backcountry ski touring, which will be available to retailers in September of 2018. It ushers in a new generation of free ride capability by delivering downhill performance, touring capability, and lightness so skiers can earn their turns by touring uphill and confidently charge big lines and stomp big air on the descent. That's awesome. Yeah, they say having adjustable pedal toe, and that's like the big deal with it. Yeah, they said it's the only hybrid binding that is compatible with all norm boots on the market, from traditional alpine boots to touring boots. That's awesome. It's also TUV certified, delivering the safety of a skier uh, needs, regardless of the type of ski boot you use. Hmm. Yeah, this is what everybody's been talking about for ages, because it's always the, the conundrum. Do I get... You know, what kind of bindings do I get? What kind of boots do I get? And then they're like, well, do you have two sets, one for touring, one for... So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah, and they said a bunch <laughs> of the... Uh, in the free skier guide that we'll have the link to, there's a bunch of uh, just, you know, kind of hybrid boots that were released this year. I think Dinafit had I one. I think that's going to be the norm now, right? They're all going to the... Um, like we got the boots with the hike and the and the ski mode, and I think they're all going to that now, right? Because it's like that's just what people want. Yeah, they said that you know Full Tilt has one, Dinafit has one, um, Dinafit this binding, um, Technica. So there was like yeah, three big releases this year. You know, for oh, wow. the same thing. You know, a very stiff downhill boot, but also allowing you to uh, you know light enough that allows you to use it for touring. Nice. So really yeah. cool. It's kind of like, you know, you get the industry starts moving to, we're going to create a better boot, but it's going to be easier for us just to create the one better boot rather than this bullshit where we have the regular ski boot. And then if you want to upgrade, we'll upcharge you for the other boot. It's just, let's just create the other boot because it's just easier even for production, you know? Like I've seen that in bikes where they go to the, um, everybody's going to the, uh, the disc brakes because, it's better. That's what people want, but it's easier for them to manufacture that and not have two different sets on. You know what I mean? And I think it's, that's kind of what I see with the boots. Yeah. You're They'll, achieving that economy of scale. If you're able to produce in a, a you know, mass numbers that way. Right. right. Instead of having two separate products. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be cool, cool to it's it's cool to see that because I know, yeah, like I said, we've we just got those kind of boots last year, and uh, it does make a big difference. And to see that technology improving is is going to be great for the industry. And it is cool to to have, and it's even nice if it can evolve to the point where it's almost like a, you know, more like a snowboarding boot where it is comfortable enough to wear all the time and not have that that miserable, you know, crushing of your your foot feeling that a lot of of ski boots can provide. Yeah. That's why a lot of people go to snowboarding in all honesty, right? From what we've heard. Yeah. And you know, then you have the company like Apex who has those, uh, those boots that are, uh, you know, it's more of like a regular snowboard boot and then has that kind of wrap around. Yeah. That is like, like with the ski boot, the way it locks into the, uh, the ski into the binding. So it'll be, it's it's cool to see there's they're doing similar things with different methods. It hasn't you know, like the one correct way. I mean, it hasn't been officially defined, so people are still trying other ways around it. But I think, you know, with enough time, they'll uh, they'll have something that, that everyone can be comfortable with and yeah. that works for everyone. So it's cool seeing not everyone go down the same path because you can create you you can find new solutions in, in ways that you know, you're so used to doing things one particular way that it's easy to get complacent and just do the same thing. But to have someone come, you know, from a completely different angle and try something totally different can lead to, you know, another company seeing that and going, oh, you know what? We never thought of it that way. What if we tweak our style? Not like that, but in a different way, combining those two. And then you then you create better solutions. So. It's cool. You're not creating that. like a you're not creating a subpar, just interchangeable. So it's a it's a high quality solution, which is great. I mean, yeah, again, because you know you need people to to go to b- try things that are bold, and then you know another company kind of trying something a little less bold, but it, at least still trying to advance the technology. So cool. it's a really cool time right now in skiing. You're seeing a lot of a lot of hybrid flexible solutions, so you can do a lot of different things with a lot less equipment. All right, so uh, last in the uh, ski news, we have um, there is March 3rd, Magic Mountain, Londonderry, Vermont. We're calling it, they're announcing it now. The inaugural Mountain Extreme Biathlon is going to go down. So $2,000 cash purse for the finish. And what is it, you ask? It is a competition for free skiers and riders, all in the same competition. So they're going to do a free ski extreme competition straight into a giant slalom race nonstop. (laughs) I love this so much. So they're going to do magic mountains, famous black line, uh, run. And it's going to, it's going to, whoever can do it the best or the, and the fastest will claim the title of the all around downhill Alpine athlete in the East. So pretty cool. Like this just sounds so freaking cool. It only costs fifty bucks to enter too, um, and it's being no insurance is included. <laughs> okay. No, no insurance is included. Just no ins- insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. You start with a free ride and you go right into the slalom. Thirteen hundred vertical feet of, <laughs> of leg burning. Yeah, that's your legs got to be spent. It's so awesome. So, yeah, we'll uh, keep you posted. We'll have the link on the website, and it should be a 
it should be a pretty cool event regardless if we're there or not. I guess that about wraps up the ski news for the week. So on to the main topic. So Brian, what are we talking about today? Oh, Mario, what are we talking about today? Uh, <laughs> just returned from a pretty majestic trip. So uh, we heard you're going to give us the down low on Val Thorens, the Three Valley, what it's all about. So the trip, I got to say, was freaking awesome. It was probably one of the best trips I've had for all around skiing, uh, people, town, everything was really cool. I think I was just up for like a, a, a big trip to Europe because I was like jonesing for it for like the last two years. Well, it was also and the first time you skied this season too, right? The first time I skied the season. So it was in France. It was big skin. It was, you know, it, it was awesome. Um, I got to say, you know, everything about it was good. Uh, and we got lucky with the weather, the whole thing. So they got pounded with snow before we got there. Uh, so everything was nice and snowy, um, in terms of getting there. So we get in, it's a quaint little village, uh, Val Terenz. So um, where'd you fly into? So we flew into Geneva, um, okay. Switzerland, and then a two and a half hour bus ride where put us right into Val Terenz. Now Val Terenz is the right side of the three valleys. So you have Val Terenz on the right, Mirabel in the middle and Courcheval on, on the left side. Um, so uh we get in nice quaint village um it's definitely like i read up about it uh before going and they said it was very it was very focused on being accommodating the skiers and that was totally true it wasn't like sparse like spartan like like snowbird um it was like picture snowbird with actual amenities that you would want but nothing <laughs> overzealous like you know, where people just come in and just normally just hang out without skiing. You know what I mean? Like you're definitely there to ski, but they have a, a good village to like, at least, you know, take care of all the, all the things that you want to do, which was kind of nice. I heard there was a few great spas. Uh, there was definitely a lot of bars, uh, all in like one or two strips. Uh, so it was very convenient to get around. Basically just walked everywhere. Um, no need for a taxi or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the village was nice. The place we stayed at was good. We stayed at the, uh, hotel La Sherpa and, uh, only thing is they ran out of hot water two days because everybody got in at the same time and took showers. <laughs> so, oh man, <laughs> um, you know, it came back, but they ran out for like an hour. Um, so with, with this, was there, um, was the, everything kind of at the base of the mountain or was this stuff kind of sprinkled on the mountain? Like, you know, you see a lot of European places. So pretty much like where everybody stays and the main services are off the base, but they had these big, a few big spots and I'll talk about them where they had opera ski and they had big lodges and stuff like that. So they were open till a little bit after close uh, of the mountain. And then you ski down into the village and that's just kind of it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty much everything's in the one village. So it's kind of nice. Like you, you meet back up with everybody that's in town pretty much. Okay. Uh, yeah. Lots of bars, lots of food places, um, place we ate at. They served a really good, uh, good meals to us. So that was nice. Um, yeah, let's talk about the hotel. So the hotel, uh, and Brian, you know, from past experiences that we've had, they include, uh, breakfast and dinner. 
breakfast is always European breakfast. So for Americans, it's a little bit weird. There's like soft runny eggs, uh, bacon, there's ham, there's like cold cuts and then there's pastries and like oatmeal and cereal. So it's not like you're getting an omelet or like a whole egg breakfast. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just different. They got the real yogurt though. Um, gotta look, do yourself a favor when you go to the store, stay away from anything that's a zero on it regarding your yogurt. Get full fat. full fat yogurt. It is the goddamn best. So we had, uh, you met my buddy, uh, Burkhardt from Germany. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, we're in Charlotte, and, he, and we go to the supermarket, and he's asking the lady, where's the full-fat yogurt? And she's like, what? The yogurt? It's all low-fat here. He's like, no, I want full-fat. I want it with all the fat. And she's like, what do you mean? You want fat in your yogurt? <laughs> it's a diet thing. He's like, no, I want real yogurt. So it's pretty funny. But Yeah, Cabot. Cabot makes one with whole milk. Whole milk, Greek yogurt, and it's so goddamn good and creamy. Stop mm. with the zero stuff. It's all full of sugar and shit. Don't eat it. Yeah, there's fat and protein and all the good stuff you need. Yes. Um, yeah, I'd have re- yogurt every day, a few croissants. They had the mini croissants there. You're in France. You got to eat the pastries. and They were awesome. A uh, little bit of bread, cold cuts, and that was kind of it. Um, with the jet lag, your, your stomach kind of off. So, like, you feel like you're force-feeding yourself in the morning, too. So, a lot of times, you just wrap stuff. Like, you know what? It's almost like you're, uh, you're a duck for uh, foie gras. <laughs> you're a foie gras duck. That's right. <laughs> Um, so a lot of times I would just, uh, you know, wrap stuff and put it in my pocket and take it and eat it on the mountain when I'm hungry. Cause, uh, it is kind of tough, but the dinners now, the dinners are where everything shines, man. They had really good dinners again. Wasn't as good as Austria. Austria was, I gotta say amazing. Uh, this was just below that, but it was still really awesome. And they had some amazing points. So they had this drink called, uh, Genepi. And Genepi is a, it's kind of like a, a, if you've ever had elderflower liqueur, which is um, St. Germain, St. Germain, it's similar to that, uh, but it's made from a flower that only grows at certain altitudes. So it's kind of, I guess, a little bit like Edelweiss, but I guess it's more in abundance and it grows between, you know, certain, certain altitudes. So they make this liqueur out of it and it's kind of uh, a little bit elderflowery, but a little bit licorice-y in flavor hmm. and you do shots of it. Uh, they actually had creme brulee and they put flaming genipi on it one night, which was oh, really cool. Nice. Uh, that was delicious. They had baked Alaska one night, which that's always a home run. You're like baked Alaska. Uh, they had venison fish. The duck was awesome. They had like freaking, and you know, I don't, I don't usually eat anything rare, but I'm, I'm in another country. I'm like, I'm going to eat it the way you serve it. Fucking rare duck. It was awesome. Um, desserts were good. Um, and then one of the highlights, I know you and Rich would appreciate this. I think I showed (laughs) the picture on Instagram, the raclette night, the raclette night. That's always a big one. So they have a special raclette holder. If anybody's never done a raclette night, what uh, what is raclette for those who are maybe less worldly than you are? So raclette is like a fondue cheese, right? And the way they had it here, I guess they might do it differently in different countries or whatever, but um, the way it was, it's they basically give you this giant cheese wedge and they put it on this stand and on the stand is like these these toaster flaps that, that come up or go down over the cheese and hover over the cheese. So you adjust it as the cheese starts going away. But what you do is you heat it up and it starts melting down onto plates 
And there's one person that gets the plate of hot cheese and passes it to everybody else. And then they give you like cold cuts and bread and, you know, little cornichons, which are like little mini pickles and, you know, some other stuff. And you basically do your own personal fondue where you take your plate and you're just dipping whatever you want in the cheese and just eating it. Um, and it is delicious. So basically we sat there for about like an hour just eating melted cheese and stuff. It was, it was pretty cool. So, uh, that was reclet night. It was really nice. And then they had like, I think that was the night they had the baked Alaska. So they like, they really put on a good, a good meal. And they, they always had like a soup to start. Uh, they, lactose intolerant, right? Exactly. Well, and they did special menu stuff. If you know, like, if you couldn't eat that, they'd give you like fish or something like that. So they always had like exchanges, but uh, they start out with like good soups every day. And then, so you have your soup. Then we did like the main course or an appetizer, then the main, and then they, uh, and then, you got to do cheese plate. You're in France. So you do cheese plate and or dessert. So they do it at the end, uh, which was cool. They had like 12 different cheeses. And it's funny. So we had raclette night. And then afterwards, like some people are like, let's go on for more cheese. Let's have some more, you know. So then they bring the cart out. And it's like this whole cart of cheeses. You're like, oh, let me try a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then you have the cheeses. Half of them are unpasteurized. Now. Oh, which is like, you can't get that here, right? You can't get that here. But in the same, in the same spirit, the American body does not have pasteurized cheese and is not prepared for having pasteurized cheese in mass. So when you have it somewhere else, it kind of wreaks havoc on your body about an hour later. Let's put it that way. Are you talking for all the Americans or just the single American representing right now? Oh, I'm saying that there's most Americans. Like a lot of people are like, holy crap, I don't feel like good. I'm like, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the unpasteurized cheese. I was actually all right. It, was, it felt a little bit. Yeah. But there were some people that were destroyed by it. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's, just, it's like you didn't take that into account. But um, I know from um, someone we know, Deborah, who uh, went to France, brought a whole bunch of unpasteurized cheese. I know from past experience eating unpasteurized cheese, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a little bit. It hits your body a little different, so, but it's still delicious. Nice, delicious. There was one girl that actually did not ski the next day because she felt so bad. Oh no! I was like, ooh, I felt bad for her. Oof. Pretty rough. Um, so that was the uh, the hotel. Um, everything was nice. Uh, beds were pretty good. First thing we did, people were like joking around, like, "Oh yeah, you are you guys sleeping next to each other too?" Like. No, we picked up the furniture and moved it. <laughs> like we rearranged the whole room in like two minutes. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, because that's a European thing too, right? It's like there's like two twin mattresses next to each, like connected, right next to each other. And like, and people are like, oh yeah, you know, it's a little weird to sleep next to each other because you know the room guys are guys, girls are girls, and some people are a little uncomfortable. And you know, Harry, the guy that I roomed with, him and I, like we've been, you know, we we've uh, you know slept in the same room before. But we've also been in Europe together before, and it's like, yeah, this, this all moves. It all just slides around. So the first thing we're like, let's move this here. Let's move that. And people are like coming into our room like, why do you have so much space? We're like, we moved all the furniture. <laughs> like, I know cleaning doesn't like it, but whatever. We'll move it back, you know. So it was pretty funny. Uh, but everything was good at the hotel. The only thing we didn't like, hot tub, was like 80 degrees. It was horrible. Ooh. So they didn't have a good working hot tub. They had a steam room and a sauna, dynamite. Um, so that was definitely have to do. The steam room was great. At least that that got me good for the next day. 
See, so now skiing, we're above the tree line for the most part. So Val Torrens is higher than uh, the other resorts, and it's all above the tree line. So if anybody hasn't been out to Europe, when you ski above the tree line like that, um, they mark off the runs with just stakes. So it's a little disorienting sometimes where... There's just so much white everywhere, right? Yeah, there's all white, and you just see these stakes. So now you have two trails merge. You're like, okay, I don't know which way the trail goes because I just see stakes all over the place, you know? Um, But it is kind of like a suggestion for staying on trail. You're like, I'm just going to go ski over there, and that's all trail. What's the difference between here? There's really no difference other than a stake is here and whatever, you know? So going off trail was kind of nice. We wound up having four bluebird days when we got there, which was incredible. It was, it was right at like freezing, but with the sun, it was like a little warm, felt a little springy. Um, But everything was nice and cold. Uh, We had a great time. Then we had one day of snow, snowed about a foot. Um, Snow conditions, it didn't bother us, but the fog that rolled in with it was very, very hard to deal with. Uh, there were times you couldn't see like 10 feet in front of you. It was pretty rough. Um, and then the last day was bluebird after the snow, which was, which was nice. We were going off trail and doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff. So that was, that was fun. Nice. How do you compare that to like, and you've skied in a few places in Europe now, how does it, how does it compare to other places in Europe, like Zermatt or Cortina or, uh, Ishko? I would say it's similar to Zermatt because remember how Zermatt was very open, wide yeah. open. It was very much like that. Um, I think uh, Cortina was different. Cortina was like little skiers chained together. So it was a little more compact. And I think Austria was a little bit more compact than, than like Switzerland or, you know, that you were on. Um, but this was more, it, was, it reminded me a lot of uh, Zermatt, where it's just wide open. Okay. For miles, you look and it's just wide open area to ski wherever you want. Um, and we we were, we stayed at about seven thousand feet. We were at about ten thousand feet when we were skiing. Um, I did the if anybody didn't see the post, did the zip line on my semi day off, <laughs> which we zip lined at about ten thousand six hundred feet, um, which is one of the highest in the world, which was kind of fun. But you zip line, so you actually have to ski. Uh, where we skied, we skied to where you end up, and then you got to ski into the little valley there, uh, this other part called Orel. <coughs> and um, then you ski over to where you take the zip line and you zip across the whole valley. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Check out the video. It's on Instagram, right? Yeah. And Facebook and Twitter, I guess, too, right? Yeah. Now, the cool part is so we're waiting to go. And they're like, oh, you're going to have to wait about an hour. So we're hanging out there, watching the other group go before us. And uh, they all go and they're waiting. So we're like, asking, like, well, what's going on? Like, is there something wrong? They're like, no, we're waiting for the equipment. So all of a sudden in the distance, we see a helicopter. We're like, all right, there's a helicopter coming. We're like, okay, everybody, you might want to hold on to your stuff because there's going to be a lot of wind. We're like, all right, I guess the helicopter's coming over here or something. So it comes over, it's holding this big bag at the bottom of this rope, comes over, drops it down, wind is going crazy. I have a video of it, it looks like like mass hysteria. Uh, people unhook it, <clears throat> it goes over, you know, leaves. And then we look, it's all the harnesses and weights that they use for the, for the zip line. So they actually 
take it from the other side and bring it back over via a helicopter. So that was pretty interesting to see too. So it was kind of neat. Nice. Uh, the whole experience was pretty cool. Um, also in Europe, if nobody's skied in Europe before, they do this here in the U.S., but in Europe it's huge. It's a huge thing. Everybody dresses up in these little costumes. So apparently I was asking somebody, they said a lot of the guys do that for bachelor parties. So they'll all dress up. Mm. So there's one big group that we kept seeing that was there's one Darth Vader and a whole bunch of stormtroopers. <laughs> and we have pictures. Get married. Yeah. So we have all these pictures with them. It was pretty funny. <laughs> like um, they were all over, like they were dressed like that in the bars too. They would wear their, wear their stuff out. So it was kind of funny. Uh, but there was one girl in our group. She actually got run into by one of the stormtroopers and she fell and she actually uh, fractured her finger. So she just splinted it up, but we're like, where's that dick stormtrooper? But like, we're like, which one? There's like 12 of them running around. That's a smart move. You're going to be drunk and do stupid stuff, dressed like everybody else, right? <laughs> it was just funny. Like you, you can pick them out. Like, who is he? And then other people taking pictures of them. It's like, did you get the name of them? Cause like they broke her finger, you know, it was, it was just pretty funny. Uh, but she was actually a trooper. She's like, yeah, it's just, that was the only injury on the trip. And she was like, She's like, I split it together, just whatever. I'll see a doctor when I get back. Wasn't wasn't anything earth shattering. Um, and then we'll, let's talk about Opry Ski. Well, before yeah. we get to Opry Ski, so you had the three different resorts, pretty well. I guess would you call them resorts or it's kind of like areas? They're full resorts. Like you could stay in Maribel and you could stay in Courcheval, and they're they're full little towns. So mm-hmm. those are if you ever go back, you can you know that that's advisable. So now the, the lift pass that you get, you get to ski in all three of those or do you choose which pass to get? So looking at the pricing, there was like a $50 difference. So we wound up skiing six days. So out of the six days, I think it was like a $50 difference between getting the all three pass or just the one Valtorens pass. Mm-hmm. So we're like, let's just get the all three. So the first day that we skied, we said, you know what? Everybody was telling us not to do it. They're like, oh, you're never going to get back. It's a Sunday. It's a weekend. We're like, screw you guys. We're going to do it. So we went from Val skied into Mirabel, and went into Courcheval and skied there and then came back. Mm-hmm. Now, getting over there, just beelining over there took like 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Then we skied over there for an hour. And then we were going to do another hour. We're like, you know what? Let's go ski Mirabel. And it was kind of about like what what helped us was we got a good lay of the land and then we we kind of you know for your first day i mean that was my first day skiing it was a lot of traversing and then we did ski some stuff but we didn't ski like super hard because we were just like trying to move from area to area and figure out where we're going uh we did some nice runs uh but it was a cool way to see like the, just the different areas you know uh, mirabelle's a little bit different it's a little bit um so when the fresh snow came everybody went to mirabelle it's like one of those areas where it's a little bit more open. You don't have a, as many runs, but there's a lot of off-trail stuff to ski. Um, and Courcheval, there are some parts on the upper left part of the map that are steep and crazy. That's where um, – who's the um, Formula One car driver? Michael that hit Schumacher. Michael Schumacher. He hit a tree on one of those runs. That's well, uh, he, it was a, he hit a rock, didn't he, or something? I don't know, a tree or rock, but it was on one of those runs up, up in the upper part of Korshaval. Yeah, he was off piste and he like did something and like smacked his head. Yeah, Korshaval. So they do have a little bit different terrain. Korshaval is a little more rocky and steep. Um, Mirabil is a little more open 
And it's great if there's snow, uh, you know, fresh snow, because you go off piste a lot there. Um, and then Val Torrens, it's funny because there's Val Torrens, which is more, I guess, the busier area. But below Val Torrens, there's two other little cities. There's uh, St. Saint Thomas or St. Saint, uh, Thomas and something else. Uh, but there's two little cities. So there's like lower mountain areas to ski down there, which is kind of neat. So different terrain, you know, wildly different terrain. But I, I think Valtorens is probably a little bit more busy. Courcheval was pretty busy too, but there's steeper terrain. And Mirabal was, uh, didn't seem as crowded. Um, and there was a lot more open terrain. So, I mean, if I went back, I would say maybe try to stay in Mirabal if there was an option. And then this way you can ski right or left into either one of the other resorts easily. Yeah, it's kind of a nice option then not to go all the way across like you guys had to do. Yeah, and there's good terrain in Mirabal, especially if you're going to go off-piste. You know, if you're going to stay on-piste, you probably want to be in Val Torrens. Um, but yeah, if you don't care, you're going to go off-piste, you know, whenever you can. I'd say Mirabal is the way to go. That was, was that, would you say, your preference of the three? Uh, you know, I did like Val Torrens because they had, uh, the town was really cool. And I think the town was a little bit maybe nicer than the other ones, but I don't know. We didn't see, uh, Mirabel, ha- I didn't realize has an upper and a lower mountain. So they actually have an upper town, which where we skied into was the Mirabel central. And then they have, uh, the lower Mirabel, which I think is the bigger town. So we didn't get to see that. So I think Mirabel is supposed to be pretty, pretty darn good. So then if, so I guess you were saying like you really, since you were staying in Valtorens, you probably couldn't apprehend in the other ones because there's no way to get back. No, there are stories about people on past trips because the ski club and other people went with other clubs where people were like, oh yeah, so and so went all, all the way over to Korsoval and then went to Happy Hour. And then by the time they started coming back, the lifts got closed on them in Mirabel and they got stranded there and they had to take like a 200 euro taxi back or something like that. Oof. So that's one of those things where. You know, you got, you got to do your plan. Exactly. We were like, yeah, I don't want to be close to that. I'd rather ski there a little and then come back and, and then, you know, hang out. So you're, okay. So you're saying that, uh, ski wise then Valtorens is great for on piste. Yeah. Mirabel, probably a little better for the off piste terrain. And what about, what are the like course of all, what would that be like? It's, uh, it's strength. It's, uh, off piste is steeper, gnarlier and rockier. Oh, okay. So, it's kind of a mix between like good on piece and then there's areas where it's just rocky and, and gnarly. It's just a different shape of the mountain. Um, Mirabel's got a little bit of both. I think every day we skied into Mirabel. So I would say, you know, Mirabel's definitely money. You know, you get, you get some good skiing there. There's steep, there's um, Mount Vallant, which is the top of the mountain. And they have one gondola that goes up and two runs off the side that are red. So, Red is like a black here, and a black is a double black. So they had red and blacks off of the off of that top. So the top was was pretty steep, um, and there's some cool off piece stuff there. Serves ju- just by one gondola that goes up, which was kind of cool. Oh, nice! Um, and that's just at the very top of Mirabal, and then you go you keep going down all the way into it. So it was pretty a lot of terrain to ski. And that's just it. You don't realize these these places are massive. Like you look at the map, you're like, okay, this looks really big, but if you take like Jackson Hole, you could put it into Val Torrens, right? 
now you have you're skiing it from Valtorans into Mirabel. So it's like two Jackson holes put together, you know, like wow. it's just kinda it's just massive. I mean massive area. So um that was really cool. So and there was a good mix of people. There's a lot of uh a lot of people from the UK. They were very accommodating, they're resort towns, so they speak English everywhere. Uh they you know, there's a lot of people from the UK. There's also a lot of people, Americans that go. So they speak English. Uh, they probably speak German too. Uh, I heard some German going on. Um, but it was mainly French, German, and English that, that I heard, you know, uh, some Australians were there. I actually ran into some, uh, if they're listening, uh, ran into some Australian ladies that were really fun to hang out with. They were actually um, friends and we met them in our hotel. Um, and they were hanging out for two weeks. They were going to do that whole area. And then they're like, yeah. And the next week we're going to drive over to Chamonix and ski there too. I'm like, why don't, why are we not doing this as Americans? Why don't we get more vacation in this country? Yeah. So we had the whole conversation, but it was, it was cool. Like, you see, I think you can have a direct correlation between mass shootings and lack of vacation. I think so I have too. no evidence behind this, but I really believe people are too, get, getting too stressed out. Because they don't have enough vacation and they end up becoming shooters. Yeah. So I think if corporate America wants to cut back on the amount of shootings, we need more vacation. I agree. Here, here. Dilly, dilly. <laughs> <laughs> Ski on podcast in 2020. Boom. But yeah, the villages were nice. The people were cool. Um, everywhere, you know what I noticed about the whole place? Everywhere had a DJ. Now, it's France. It's It's very Euro and it's very you know, stereotypical for DJs, but like we went to a coffee shop, like we went and somebody was turning their skis and then looking at some shops. So Harry and I, like, I got to get some coffee because we were partying at night, whatever. So we're going to this quaint little coffee shop in this, in this mall. And uh, we go in there and it's, it's funny because to get into the coffee shop, you got to go through this like fancy store and then you go in and you know, you wave to them and they have all this like fancy clothes and everything. And you go into this little coffee shop, which is kind of weird. I guess they owned it or they had a relationship and there was a DJ in there and they had a DJ at a coffee shop for happy hour for coffee. They weren't serving any beer or alcohol, but it was just kind of cool. That's just what, and he was playing like, um, electronic, like ambient kind of music, like chill. chill yeah. It was really cool. Like you could see they had DJs everywhere. So that's like a big thing out there, um, which is which is really cool, um, and that leads to the opera ski. Yes, opera ski. They love DJs um, on mountain. There's two in Val Torrens. There's two really big places that are are known for like big parties, DJs. You know, opera ski like thing. One is called Bar Three Sixty. We consider that as the wannabe. Um, I it wasn't as crowded and as nice. <clears throat> as our favorite place, uh, I think because where they're located on the mountain, they get shaded pretty early and it gets very cold mm. once, once you're in the shade. Uh, the other place that was really good, number one, it's known for having really top names come in uh, and it's in the sun the whole time. So I think that really plays well. Um, they actually have the snowcat. I think I posted the picture. They have their own snowcat, which is actually a snowcat slash food truck. So they have like a, a carrier on the back of it. Oh, that's so awesome. And it just parks there and it's like you, you walk up, you get food and then you walk into the restaurant, they have like a restaurant part and then they have like the opera ski part. Um, so that one I'm talking about is La Folle Deuce and it's kind of a chain. They have a few of them. I think, um, 
Val Torrens has one. Uh, Val Desaire had one. And there's a, like, I don't know if there's one or two other ones around at different resorts in the, in the, in Europe. I think Mountain Creek has one too. Mountain Creek. I tell you what, Brian, I, I said this to everybody. It's like surreal after the trip because I'm like, I had the best experience. Like I had the best opera slash party slash like time of my life at that place. It was, it was incredible. It was like a concert with a club with opera ski all rolled into one. It was incredible. So what they do, their big thing is they, they uh, squirt champagne on everybody. So they have a DJ, they have, um, so the first day we're there, right? So first day we're there, we had to go bar 360 and it wasn't that great. We're like, all right, next day we gotta go to Folly Deuce. That's what I heard. And I thought it was all gonna be hype. Our buddy Cody told us about it. And I was like, all right, it's gonna be hype. Everybody talks about it. It's gonna be lack. It's going to be below what I was expecting because everybody built it up. So we go in there. We're just hanging out. It's about 2 o'clock. We stopped early because we were just going to, whatever, take a easy day that day and then hard the next day. Um, but actually, we didn't eat, eat lunch. So we just went through lunch, and then we, we figured we stopped there. Got something to eat, awesome food. We're like, all right. So we're sitting there on these tables outside. There's a, there's a deck, and there's a DJ playing on the deck. And we're like, all right, we're listening to DJ music. And it's like kind of ambient. There's like a saxophone, a bongo guy um, in the music. So we're like, all right, that's all DJ stuff that he's playing. So I look up and there's the saxophone guy. There's a guy playing saxophone and there's a guy playing bongos. So what it was is the DJ was playing the backbeat and they had a saxophone guy and a guitar guy and a bongo guy just playing like this cool, chill, ambient stuff. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. You know, so all of a sudden, and they do it in a very subtle way. Um, they stop letting people in with food and then they start clearing uh, tables. And then around three o'clock, we three, three thirty ish, they start taking away all the chairs. So everybody's standing. So all of a sudden a singer comes out and she was like a well-known singer in Europe, or whatever, but like a, like a techno background singer. She had a really great voice. And uh, so she came out, started singing little bits and then going back in. And it was kind of like everybody started gathering a little bit more and it started building up, building up a little bit more. And then they put the tables together. So they start putting tables together. So now you're standing around tables and now the singer starts coming out with all the, the you know, the, the, the band pieces plus the DJ. And they start like really starting to go and, and start playing music and singing stuff. And sh they were really awesome. So it's like, also, people are like cheering for them, and then they get into the whole techno thing, and then people start getting on the table, and then that's it. It's a full-on party. Mm -hmm. People buy bottles of wine. Uh, they start squirting champagne. It is a full-on techno crazy party, and everybody had a great time. Everybody's having fun, dancing. Uh, I got to say that that day, I think, I don't know if I hurt myself. I don't know if I taxed myself out more skiing or dancing. It was... <laughs> It was that good. I actually skied home drunk off of that mountain, laughing the entire time. I was in, everybody was in such a great mood. It was a lot of fun. So how far did you, uh, how far was the, the skiing from there back to the hotel? It was like mid mountain, dude. It was a far way. Yeah. It was a far way. And it was moguls. Cause at the end of the day, everybody's skiing off of that area. So of course how, we were, how was it compared to Ishkil shit show wise getting back? It wasn't as icy, but it was still a big shit show. Um, there was people, just bodies everywhere. Um, people helping people. It was, 
Holy shirts and pants. Holy shirts and pants. Uh, the good part of it, we could ski right into the hotel, which was cool. Nice. So ski right there. Um, then they had, uh, so we did village in, in the village. Like we did Opry too. Uh, there's one place we did uh cafe Sinesco. They did the, the same kind of thing where, but they had like eighties and nineties music, which is kind of cool throwback. Um, and everybody's up on the, on the tables there. It was funny. It was, what do they have to drink? Beer or shots. That's it. No mixed drinks. None of this fruity shit. You're getting beer or mixed, like that's it. Like they weren't, they were no frills. And that's where we got the flugel. <laughs> flugel. Flugel. You got flugeled. So we actually looked at this stupid little shot of shampoo is what it looks like. But it had a duck on it that looked kind of cool. It so like, like, a, like a kid's shampoo. It's, it does. It looks like a kid's drink. It's got like a cartoon duck on it. It looks, yeah, it looks like something yeah, you, you give a kid. Yeah. Oh, you got a, you got a cough or you want to, you want to shampoo your hair? Here you go, kid. You know, it's like a kid shampoo. Um, so we had a few of those and we're like, yeah, it's horrible. But, uh, yeah, that place was really cool. We went there a few nights. Um, then they have this place called the frog and roast beef, which I don't understand how they come up with this name. The frog and roast beef. Yeah. Roast boof, as they say in French. I was like, roast they're like, Oh, it's really good. And we would close that place like a few nights. They played cool music. They had, you know, decent, tap selection and uh it was it was was a good atmosphere but it was kind of like an irish bar slash uh they had live bands and stuff so it was kind of cool is there like a like a signature apre drink in the town there besides uh, Google, obviously so the signature would be the folly deuce and they have wine so wine and champagne that's their thing champagne okay so basically you go there you drink rosé wine it's all rosé and uh and they spray champagne on you and buy bottles of champagne if you want it's kind of uh what well, was funny the video you posted on uh on instagram of you like spraying the champagne <laughs> like you see you spraying it and then i see i can see you looking up i guess someone was like yelling at you or saying something <laughs> and then i see i see there's like a split second like not even like maybe a tenth of a second where i see you make this like mm, face yeah. before you drink the bottle <laughs> so what happened on that is uh so we're hanging out there and we're dancing and they spray the champagne and they, what they do is the, whatever's left, like a quarter of the champagne bottle, they drop it down in the crowd and you drink it. Well, we're hanging out, we're dancing, whatever. And like, nobody else was kind of really like, we were re- ready to party. So we're like dancing and shit. So they hand me a full bottle of champagne. Now, these Europeans next to me are thinking, oh, this guy's going to share champagne. So I get to shake it up and start spraying the crowd. And then I start spraying the DJ <laughs> and oh, the look, yes. the look was, he's like, no, not on the equipment. I'm like, oh, okay. Oops. And, <laughs> and it's like 10 grand in equipment there, but they were cool about it. They weren't like going to kick me out or call me an mm-hmm. asshole. They were like, no, no, not on the equipment. I was like, Ooh, I felt like an asshole. Then I was like, sorry. You know? And <laughs> so then I drank it. And I definitely seen the video. Like <laughs> the second where you're like, <laughs> that's when shit got real. I was like, Oh shit. I got to stop stupid American but they were all really cool I gotta say that Folly Deuce uh, when they when you come in they they pat you down and everything like making sure you're not bringing stuff in and all um, oh wow and the funny part is it gets so crowded like by 4 o'clock it's too crowded to even get in like it's it's max capacity so they turn people away what happens is there's a big hill behind it and people sit there and just hang out so that's a whole other experience where you hear the music you're watching the DJ, you're watching it, you could dance or whatever, but everybody's just sitting there just chilling out. And that is where 
if the wind's blowing from that area, you smell this ton of weed just coming right in. Oh, really? Everybody's That's smoking crazy. weed up there. Holy shit. It was a lot. Considering what a freaking hard on Europeans have for, for <laughs> but, cannabis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the funniest part is, so they're sitting there smoking weed. Everybody else is there is dancing. What they do is they start getting snowballs and, and pelting the people on the lift that goes right by <laughs> and pelting the crowd. <laughs> so what they'll do is they'll make these snowballs and start chucking them into the crowd. Uh, so people are dancing, getting hit with snowballs, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So Steve and uh, and Kevin, they got there too late, so they couldn't get in. So they're on the hill, and they said it was funny. They're watching, and they're watching people get hit like with snowballs, you know, inside the club, and nobody's doing anything about it. They're like outside, but they said the worst part was the lift stopped for some reason, and there's people just dangling. All of a sudden, you saw snowballs just fly from <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Just hitting those people on the lift. He said it was freaking classic. It was just like getting tortured. They're like, there's nothing they could do. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so how were the um, how were the beers around town? Um, it was the French are not known for their beers. <coughs> they had a few French beers uh, that like I had. Nuremberg? Is that one of the? No, they had something. It was like Chateau, whatever. It was like, it sounded like a wine. I'm like, that's a beer. And and it just wasn't great. Kind of actually upset my stomach. And I'm like, thanks. I can't drink beer now for a little bit. Um, but then they had the normals. They had like Guinness and they had um, some other British, like um, just like a, a Pilsner. Uh, not really a great beer selection, nothing crafty. Um, but it was just kind of like you took what they have. Yeah. Um, there was this place, Savon, which was cool. It was like a hotel, but in the on the on the bottom floor, they had all these cool couches and fireplaces. So we just hung out there one night, just because just to chill out. It was kind of like an upscale little chill out kind of thing. It's pretty neat. Um, and then one of the best best times we had. There's this place called the Rum Box. Now what they do is they take rum and they ferment it with like fruits or whatever, and they have like I don't know, like 80 different types of, of fermented rum, you know, with, with flavoring. Oh, like infused? Yeah. In, you know, like an infusion. So they'll put it with coconut or they'll put it with lychee or like, like the place in New York city does like vodkas. It's like, there's like a hundred different kinds of vodkas. Like there's horseradish and cherry and yeah, same exact thing, but they did it with rum. And, uh, so we're sitting there and we walk in and it's called the rum box. So I guess it's supposed to be like a little bit reggae or whatever. They have on the TVs, they have like this playing this. It's basically like gangster booty shaking rap videos where all it is, is big girls just twerking the whole time. <laughs> so we're watching these girls twerking and they're playing like Bruce Springsteen, Philadelphia on the radio. On the, oh, Jesus. On the side. So we're like, do they? So we're like, look at this video. It's fucked up. Like, I didn't think Bruce Springsteen did this. So we're joking around about that. And they're playing like David Bowie and like all these like didn't match what we're watching. So the guy goes to change. Yeah, you know, the owner is in there and he was like a pervy old dude. <laughs> but he goes to change like the video and you see he's playing it from his iPod. And on there, there's like four files. One was that thing another another one was uh victoria's secret whatever he put that on everyone's like boo we want to go back to the booty shaking <laughs> so he puts it back on the booty shaking but one of the uh two of the other files one was tape and the other one was uh juju's birthday we're like 
Juju's birthday's got to be a pointer or something like that. <laughs> so we keep chanting, Juju, Juju. So after a while, he finally puts it on. It's a stupid ski video. Somebody's like birthday party where they're dressed up in all these costumes and they're just skiing. It's like this, you know, but it was kind of cool. Like, all right, it's local skiing video. Like, we don't know why the guy was so shy about it, but we're like, all right, this sucks. We're, we're out of here. Why he was shy about it because it sucked. He was trying to keep the party going. <laughs> But it was skiing. I was like, that's not too bad. So you're hoping um, it was some sort of like uh maybe like the uh the tryout reel for the next apocalypse snow. Exactly, exactly. We just didn't know what it was, but like we want to know what it is. And then of course we're chanting for tape, and tape meant switch off of that and go to a tape. So <laughs> so then he shut it off. But uh yeah, it was pretty funny. So that was the rum box. It was a tiny little place. We'll pack that out. Um and then there's a club there, Malaysia, which I never made it to. Supposedly, it's like one of the big all-night clubs. So it's a weird little town because everybody goes skiing, and you think it's like a sleepy little town. It closes early because people party hard for Apres, and then things close down at 2. Well, after – I think that club Malaysia doesn't open till midnight, and then they stay open till like 6 in the morning. So it's kind of crazy. There's like little parts of town that it's like if you want to stay up all night and party, there's plenty of places to do that. So it's very interesting, got to say. So that was a party scene, the ski scene. You know, all in all, we had a good time. Um, nobody got arrested or hurt. Nobody got in fights. So Nice. And everybody no made the bus. Passport. No loss of passport. Everybody made the bus. So um, I got to say it was good. Coming back was kind of tough for me because uh, I had to fly through Newark and come back down to Tampa. So it was like 22 hours of travel, which Oof. never fun. Um, like I said, I, I was falling asleep on, on a chair and so I'm sitting there and I put my headphones in just to listen to some chill music. So I'm listening to music and I'm sitting on a, a high top table. Luckily I was on a high top cause I'm falling asleep, falling, falling over and I catch myself and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, my plane's going to board in like a half hour. I would have slept right through that. Oh God. So luckily I, after that I was like walking around, just keeping myself awake. I was like, I'm going to miss my plane. <laughs> That'd be horrible. Ugh. But the sleep all might right. have been worth it. Just so, saying. So, you, all right. So now, just to recap. So, if you were to do it again, and you're going to the Three Valleys, would you stay in Mirabel this time? I would probably try to stay in Mirabel. Uh, although Valterens would be a good option, depending on, on what the deal you get is. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's going to take the same amount of time to get there from the airport. Um, they get a shit ton of snow. I got to say, like when we left, they had a little sprinkling of snow and then they, I think they were going to get a few feet the next time they got like, before we went there, they got like two and a half feet the week before we showed up. Wow. So they, they were just getting, they're in that area of the Alps where they're getting tons of snow. The other weird thing about going off piste, I would say is definitely watch the snow because, uh, the week before we went, it was a five out of five avalanche danger. Uh, when we arrived, I think it was like a four or a three and then it lowered to a two. So it was still pretty, you know, still avalanche danger. And I saw some slides. So depending on where you go, like, uh, Val Torrens was pretty wide open and you could see where the areas were, um, kind of with the naked eye, like where would be the kind of crazy parts that you probably want to stay away from. Um, it's tricky too, when you're that high up when you're, you know, above the tree line like that, you don't have the trees to give you frames of reference yeah so yeah and i know you're saying like yeah you don't you're you're easily 
you're more easily likely to miss something or yeah. you know, not notice a, a cliff or something because you don't have those, again, those trees as frames of reference. Yeah, there's one place I think I told you I was going down and I almost went off a 30-foot cliff. But, mm-hmm. Not you fun. Know, you watch what you're doing. You say, this doesn't look right. You stop. You look over the edge and you say, shit, I got to get back away because I don't know if I'm on a, I'm on a cornice either. You know, yeah. I don't want to go over looking out for cornice. So um, just take it slow and, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not – especially if I'm not with a group of people that skis off trail or backcountry, like I'm not going to go crazy anyway. So it was kind of just trying to find some, some fresh snow. Yeah. Did you do any, uh, any hiking at all or? No, no hiking. There wasn't, I don't know. There wasn't really, there were places that you could hike, but I could see they were a little bit in the area where I would imagine a slide would be. Mm. And I had my beacon and shovel and yeah, like I had all my avalanche gear, but I wasn't with anybody else that had avalanche gear. So I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near yeah. that stuff. So they can't dig you out. If, <laughs> if yeah. you get caught. Right. And yeah. Like I could get buried. They're like, okay, great. We'll call the rescue. That'll come up. The other thing we didn't see. So, um, the one thing was cool. I think I put a video of that on Instagram was they had a, an airbag. And I think Val Terenz has a permanent airbag there. So I think for like, was it 10, 10 to 20 years, you get like three jumps into the airbag, which we almost did it, but they were closed because they were cleaning everything off. And I was like, I didn't want to wait. So we left. <laughs> All the puke. All the puke. <laughs> but people were going on like snow tubes and I saw somebody go with skis. So it was kind of fun. Uh, ski patrol there. You don't see them a lot. And it's funny. I was like, I haven't seen a single freaking ski patrol because usually you're expecting them to wear like red and white and black or whatever. Um, in Mirabelle, they were all black. <laughs> so I might've seen ski patrol, but you know, I didn't notice them. So, um, but somebody was telling me they don't really patrol. They wait for a call and then they go out. So it's not like here where they're constantly patrolling, telling people, you know, don't do this, don't do that. They're like, do what the hell you want. When there's trouble, just call us and then we'll go. <laughs> so too busy smoking. Yeah. Waiting for um, you. I'm smoking or having some wine. I, I don't, you know, I can't be bothered. But uh, no, people were friendly there. I was, I was surprised, you know, you never know how it's going to be, like if people are unfriendly or it's a, a weird scene. It was kind of cool. So. Nice. So sounds like, yeah, sounds like a great trip. So you're saying maybe uh, you'd go to Valtherens again, but maybe give, maybe stay at Mirabelle. Um, I think Mirabelle is definitely, definitely worth checking out. Folly Deuce. See, that's just it. If you're not staying in Val Terenz, you can't really do Folly Deuce because the lifts are all closed. Uh-huh. So you can't ski back to Mirabel. Okay. And that Val Terenz was that, that, that Folly Deuce was, was crazy. I got to say, we went there. So we went there on a Monday and it was off the hook. And I'm like, you know, is this a holiday for people? Like, it's a Monday. It shouldn't be that good of a ski day. Shouldn't have the whatever, 1,000, 1,500 people they had in that place plus people on the thing i'm like you know you don't expect that so like all right it's a fluke whatever we got lucky whatever so we passed by there on not the next day the day after like a wednesday passed by there at 12 o'clock it was packed like it was four o'clock we're (laughs) like what the hell is going on found out there was like some famous um swedish dj that was there and there was a big group that was in from sweden so they basically didn't even ski they just went right to 
right to there to, to hear this guy play. And it, they were having, they were already on the tables at, at noon, just dancing and, and having a great time. I was like, wow. Uh, and then we went back on Friday and Friday was pretty, pretty cool. But the singer changed. They, they rotated. So it's like every week they change all the performers, which is kind of cool. Uh-huh. So if you're there like over a week, you usually see like two sets of performers and that's kind of what we saw. Yeah, nice. definitely, definitely off the hook and, and definitely surprising. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be like, yeah, everybody says it's all right. It's just another opera ski place. You see one, you see them all. It was definitely different. Nice. So you said you definitely would, would recommend that for those looking for a uh, apre party. If you want all around, I would say Valtrans is, is the way to go. If you want to, I don't know. I haven't stayed in Mirabel, so I don't know what they have to offer. I'm sure they have pretty good apre ski and, and a good town. I just don't, I, had, I didn't see it. And they have two towns. They have the center town and the lower town. So Nice. So it sounds like uh, like Three Valleys would definitely get a recommendation from the High Pollutant Ski Bomb podcast. That's right. And in, de- in general, you know, some of this stuff translates to just skiing in Europe. Ski in Europe, you find, you know, good opera, you know, ski places. You'll find people dressed in, in costumes. Uh, you won't find any ski patrol telling you what not to do, right? I mean, uh, it's kind of definitely by the insurance on your ski pass. <laughs> In just in case but yeah, it's uh, almost yeah. like more of like a whole lifestyle ski lifestyle experience yeah you know like it's it's part of the whole package the apparatus is part of it the uh you know the skiing drunk is part of it you know it's it's just part of it it's almost like yeah part of how they do it valtrans also has the zip line um they also have so they have gary our buddy did the driving the ice driving and oh, he really? did it yeah he did it with a cart though and they actually have a full car you could do for 300 euro. They'll actually go with a driver with you and you'll drive on. And he's Gary even said, he's like, it's not like hard packed snow. It's freaking ice that you're driving on. And they actually have courses um, where you can go either. Is there a rally or, car must you have? No, I think they look online. They actually have the cars that you'll oh, drive. Peugeot. Um, I don't think they were that small, but uh, it, it's like a whole like training thing. Like it's not just like a recreational, like, it's like a whole training, like few hour thing that you're driving on the ice, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, they had that, they had bowling in town, which is neat. And uh, people also did the sledding. Oh, the death sleds, death sleds. These weren't death sleds though. They, it looked, they, they actually showed the video. Kevin posted the video. Um, and they went really fast. They actually said they had a whole carved course for it and it was legit. It wasn't like, Hey, let's just throw some sleds on a run and, watch people just crash, you know, it was, <laughs> it was an officially sanctioned kind of course. It was the, uh, the European toboggan association approved. That's right. This course and the official toboggans. EUTA approved, <laughs> but no, it was definitely a good time. Something for everybody. I mean, I've had two weeks there. I could probably, it's one of those places where, you know, when you go to a place, you're like, you know, week is good. I think I saw everything. Uh, I definitely didn't see everything in one week. I probably could have spent another week and then done the driving, done, you know, like done all that stuff that I didn't get to, plus a little bit more skiing. Yeah. Again, we in America don't get enough vacation. Yeah. I mean, those areas are just massive. I, I just, I couldn't believe how big that whole place was. 
Wow. Like you're tired just traversing over to Korsava. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So very cool. Damn. Well, that sounds like it was an awesome trip. So we got Flugel. We got Flugel. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for all that that info. So we'll have uh, some some of Mario's recommendations and tips on the website skibumpodcast.com. Check it out. And uh, if you need any more information, feel free to hit us up skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off here? So I've been uh, preaching this for a long time, and they finally came out with a study that pizza is healthier than most breakfast cereals. Look so at that. they're saying cold pizza, microwave pizza, they actually say it's about the same. <laughs> but they're saying it doesn't matter what kind of pizza is on your plate. It's probably healthier than a, uh, than a bowl of breakfast cereal. So I think I've done this math and looked at the boxes to know that um, it probably is, uh, but they're saying it's got protein, carbs, may even have vegetables. Um, well, tomato sauce, tomato it's sauce, tomatoes, vegetable. It has uh, what, what is it? The loop, the lupines or lecapine. That's what it is, which is good for you. Um, vitamin C, right? Exactly. Uh, but they're saying so. American cereal options, when you compare them, uh, are just full of sugar and not much else. So they're saying that, you know, pizza, it might be the next superfood, especially if it's a whole grain crust. You have it left over the next day. Or even better, you get one of those crazy, like, uh, like those cauliflower crusts. Yeah, there you go. Damn near health food. So they're saying an average slice of pizza and a bowl of cereal with whole milk contain nearly the same amount of calories. Um, but then the, the breakdown is a little bit different. So uh, they're saying pizza, pizza contains more fat and much less sugar than most cereals. Um, so that's why they're saying it might be more of a healthy choice. Just saying, hold on to that pizza. Well, it does make kind of sense because, you know, you, you get like these, you know, Lucky Charms or any cereals like that. I mean, what percentage of them are just pure sugar? Any cereal, almost every cereal, because I've looked at cereal boxes are about 15 grams of sugar in every serving. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Which is a lot of sugar. I mean, that's a shit ton of sugar. So if you transfer that for just carbs, you're better off doing the carbs than the, just the straight sugar that is just going to spike you and crash, you know? Yeah, that's so funny how they just they just pumped us full of sugar and they you know made us think that was a healthy breakfast. That's back crazy. In the day. Apple Jacks. There's no fucking apple in there. <laughs> there's no apple in there. It tastes great, but there's no apples in that thing. One of my, you know, one of the cereals like I always wanted as a kid that my mom would never get for me because I was always, I loved blueberry anything. And I wanted blueberry. Blueberry. Yes. I was like, I, I got it once and I was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> I was probably yeah. six or seven. I'm like, this is disgusting. You know, it's really good. Count fucking chocula. I Count love that. It's good. Mm, it's all sugar and it's all delicious. When's the last time you had it? Uh, about a year ago. Really? That recently, huh? I try to buy it every year, once a year. Love Count Chocula. <laughs> Keep it real. I get that that sugar rush, and then I'm like, I can't. I got to go back. I can't do this, man. It's like <laughs> I got to go. I got to go off, back off the way. You know, back on the wagon. Ugh. Yeah. So again. You're better off 
having a having pizza than you are. Hopefully, a pizza with vegetables is even better. Maybe some chicken on there. Maybe some meat. You know, a little protein. All right. So next up, SpaceX, and they had their big Falcon Heavy launch this finally. Oh my God! So this has been. Uh, I think. I think the original plan was to get this up in 2014, but it was delayed for you know all sorts of issues. And you know, Elon Musk, he tends to he, he <coughs> a lot of different stuff. You know, I he think he promises on everything, though. Yeah. Yeah, there's just not enough Elon to go around. That's the problem. You know, like he uh, he's he runs a little thin because he just he's doing so many amazing things at one time. But so the space, the Falcon Heavy is the uh, it's the largest you know rocket being sent up into space since the Saturn V back in 1973 that launched the space shuttle for the uh, the moon landing, and it uh, the way it was set up it was actually had three three rockets and then the the main capsule in the center one, and in these three rockets each had nine engines, so there was 27 total, uh, nine in each of them. And uh, this was, I think Elon was saying he was hoping like there's like a 50% chance this was going to work. That's awesome. Um, and the only thing in the capsule was Tesla's or uh, Elon's cherry red Tesla Roadster that the, the plan was to have it to go into orbit. And uh, I mean, I was, I was so psyched for this and I, I felt like a little kid watching, you know, one of those, those space shuttle launches and, it was it was just so overwhelming. Like, I was getting like tears in my eyes watching it. Like it just was so perfect. It was so cool. It was so exciting. You know, we have so many things that we're bickering over in this country because everything we have so much here, and we just find the dumbest things to argue and and battle over. And it seemed like everybody was like just watching this and enjoying it, and you know, seeing like humanity is winning. You know, all of us together are like just can not not be fighting one side or the other. We're all just on the same team for once for one thing. And it was just, uh, it was just beautiful to watch. So, you know, they launched it, the two side rockets deployed, um, and they flipped and then came back and they relanded them at Cape Canaveral where they originally took off. And they just, they were in sync when they landed. I mean, there's maybe, maybe two or three feet. The one was, uh, ahead of the other. Yeah. And he landed them vertically again. It was so cool. Unfortunately, the middle one had an incident and it ended up, it was supposed to land on a remote drone in the Atlantic Ocean. Something happened with the one booster. It didn't engage and <laughs> the rocket hit the water and spread shrapnel all over the, uh, the drone <laughs> platform. So we were joking about it because we were, we were texting while we we're watching the, the launch and uh, we're like, oh, they're not going to show it. There's going to be like, if they pan back to the cameras, like fucking everything on fire, like shit blowing up. And sure enough, that's probably what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, they were saying that because of the uh, the vibrations from the rocket, they, they often didn't get a good video footage of it. And, uh, you know, people, they, they're communicating this in real time. And you heard somebody say in the live feed, like, we lost the center one. And, you know, at first you didn't really know what that meant. And they tried to, kind of divert attention away from that but yeah it turned yeah. out it just uh kind of screamed into the water and <laughs> missed the platform 
about 300 miles an hour or something, right? Yeah, pretty fast. Was, uh, that's a big splash. Yeah, but considering NASA used to just drop these things and have them land wherever. That's what they uh, used to do. Two of the three boosters landed to be yeah. reused later on. It's pretty, pretty freaking awesome. That is awesome. And now, everybody now, asked... Everybody now, now I spoke to recently was uh, they're all like you said that like everybody's been in awe about it. They're like like little kids again. Like we're back on top. Like space shuttle was put everybody like feeling great as Americans, and then the space shuttle explosion. Oh shit! Now we gotta start over again. We've never been back to that level. This is like everybody's looking at it like oh we're back on that level again. You know? Yeah, it's it's so cool. So so now the the Tesla Roadster is now, you know, it's uh, being piloted by by Starman. And he's, uh, if you go to SpaceX's YouTube page, you can see live footage of him just cruising around in orbit. They and don't have it really readily available there anymore. Uh, I'm on their YouTube channel right now. It's there. Oh, yeah? It mm-hmm. is? It's a uh, live use of Starman. Oh, it's on the YouTube channel. All right. Yep. I was linking yeah. to it from SpaceX. Before. Over 12,000, 12 million views already in a couple awesome. days. But it's cool because they have uh, probably at least four cameras on there and they every few minutes they switch them. So you get different angles, different views. One inside awesome. the car, one from the front, one from the side, and then one in the in the back. Now, is that going to be forever? I, I guess until the cameras stop working. Solar powered, right? Keep those I things going? I guess so, yeah. I've been fascinated with this ever ever since the launch, and I kind of kind of keep checking it. And I actually have it set up as like almost like a screensaver now. This this video <laughs> stream, just having it on there and just keeping an eye on Starman, it's really cool. Then um, one of the funnier things that I've seen is that one of those like douchey British tabloid websites they posted. Uh, Elon Musk SpaceX murder plot bizarre Reddit post suggests sinister reason behind launch, and they're yeah. trying to say that that whole mannequin, the the Starman, it you know in the uh, in the Roadster, is actually like a dead body, like someone that Elon murdered, and they just shoved him in the suit and just sent him out to Mars. It's, that would be freaking genius, though. Think yeah, about right? that. <laughs> just full of body parts, like in all the in the wow. Tesla, in the trunk, in the, that- in the engine bay. That would be freaking genius. <laughs> the whole thing packed with body parts, right? Yep. Just blended up body parts. Like a Jeffrey Dahmer or something. Who knows? Up. Crazy. Yeah, the guy's like, he's like, I've seen enough Bond films to know this is the perfect way to, uh, you know, this is what a Bond villain would do. Yeah, but the Bond villain would talk about it and get caught at the last minute because they'd be explaining what they're going to do to them. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of conspiracy. That's what I'm saying. They they should have put like a little servo in the arm just to make it move every once in a while so they can get all these conspiracy theories. Oh, my God, the arm moved. It's a real person. <laughs> or there's a terrestrial that, that what made it move, you know? Yeah, right. That would be pretty funny. Because <laughs> you know people would have the before and after and they're like, look, you see the position of the hand and the arm and like I think there's somebody out there. We got to go rescue them. Like. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have more of these successful SpaceX launches to look forward to in the future because it was uh it was pretty awesome. And if you haven't seen it yet, you know, go on to SpaceX's YouTube channel and you can watch the the launch there. Well, they're talking about almost launching one a week, right? SpaceX for the year. 
it's like every other week or every week oh, they want to it was like once a month or so no no i think they want to launch like i think they said 30 something launches it's really like every other week i mean because they have that whole schedule they want to keep to the, to boost up their profit so the the heavy is going to let them launch bigger things or more things at one time mm-hmm. so maybe they'll cut it down after but i think that was one of the big hurdles why they wanted to get that up oh wow that would be awesome Plus, they said they can actually start thinking about trying to do the, you know, the uh, build something on on the moon or send people and stuff up to the uh, International Space Station more easily. So, yeah, and I think too, uh, one of the things Musk has talked about is he's trying to figure out a way to make rocket travel uh, like a commercial business, you know, on Earth, so you could fly from you know here to Geneva in an hour and a half or less, you know, by a rocket versus a plane. That'd be awesome. That's what, that's what what his vision, what he would do. Yeah. But of course he's got to, he's got to be sure he can actually land everything successfully every time. That's see, that's part of it. Like you can get me there, but you got to make sure you could land me. Exactly. That's, it's kind of an important part of it. All right. So next up, speaking of Florida and Cape Canaveral, let's let's stick with Florida. Um, <laughs> there is a goodwill in Florida uh, that was afraid uh, when they received the donation because they believe somebody donated a loaded grenade launcher. So in Manatee County, which is just north of me. Um, oh, really? Good, yeah. Uh, goodwill employees discovered a grenade launcher loaded with a live grenade. Uh, so. They're saying a lot of um, a lot of things have been donated, uh, but they're saying Sunday people were called out and they discovered a grenade launcher with a grenade inside it. So everybody like freaked out. They they called everyone um, and they didn't know what the uh, item was. So um, so they, they're saying it came uh, from a January twenty fifth shipment. Now, according to the Goodwill manager, employees at the Bradenton location didn't know what the donated item was, so they sent it to the Bargain Barn location. So, what a shit show. So, basically, if you're looking for some sort of weapons, go to the Bargain Barn. (laughs) There might be a loaded uh, grenade launcher waiting to get bought. Thanks again, Florida, for for floriding it up again. Floriding it up. Oh, they got the front end of Starman right now. That's pretty cool. He's got his arm out the side of the window as he's chilling out, yeah. catching the catching the air out in space there. It's living the dream. Living the dream. All right, and one final story for the week. You know, since Europe was our the main topic of the week with Mario's trip to Out the Rens, we figure we'll we'll finish it up with a European themed story as well. I'm not sure if we've talked about it in the past. I think we have, but uh, there was that Volkswagen diesel gate a few years ago with them. Ford, they had some sort of way of... Oh, they faked the test, right? Yeah, they could they could uh, change the ECU. So if it was going through a test, it would give off less emissions than it would in a regular drive. Wow. And uh, Sinister. Yeah. So it turns out that these, these Germans um, were actually testing toxic exhaust fumes on humans and monkeys wow i think that's what they do in the airplane with that air they blow in i think that's part of the test i think that's just um 
it, it's pretty much just full of fart gas so that can prepare <laughs> you for everyone just farting on that plane for eight hours. Do you think they hook it up right to the ass or they just get it from like the back area with no, I think they, they actually make fake fart smells. Oh, just to mask the real sparks. Right? Pretty much, yeah. It's kind of conditioning Genius. for it. Genius idea. So this was reported last week that Germany's three major car manufacturers, Daimler, BMW, and Volkswagen, all encouraged a study that exposed young and healthy human volunteers to nitrogen dioxide, a common traffic emission. Subjects were examined for side effects after inhaling the gas. The EPA says that inhaling nitrogen dioxide can aggravate respiratory diseases, particularly asthma, leading to respiratory symptoms such as coughing, wheezing, or difficulty breathing, hospital admissions, and visits to emergency rooms. Hmm. Um, Yes. It was also reported, though, that in separate 2015 tests that locked monkeys in airtight chambers (laughs) were exposed to diesel fumes from a Volkswagen Beetle while they watched cartoons. Wow. Yeah. What is it with Germans and freaking locking people in areas with gas? I mean, Jesus. Old habits die hard, apparently. Didn't they get in trouble for that? I believe they did back in the day. Well, according to the German history books, there was nothing bad happened there, and there was nothing nothing actually happened between 1939 and 1945. Oh, it's just an omission of everything, right? There was a complete void. Nothing happened at all. Um, yeah, that's some pretty uh, some pretty messed up stuff. But at least the monkeys got cartoons. You know, that was kind of nice. I think they're doing it on us. That's why people have all sorts of allergies and I don't know. Yeah, the wheat we get is garbage here because it's been GMO'd to the point where it just has none of the nutrition that it used to have. And it's all just made for um, for a greater a greater harvest versus, you know, nutrition and all the health factors that, you know, made it a a viable crop in the first place. It's like, where's the beef? Where's the wheat? It's gone. Yeah. Where's the wheat? Now they want to, they want to keep the weed away from us too. You know, Yeah. where's the weed? We should free the weed. Well, if we had the weed, we wouldn't care so much about the wheat and the, and the beef. We'd just be having wheat. This is true too. Well, no, they'll only release it if they have some government control agent in the weed to release into the population. So they're trying to probably genetically alter that so that it's mind controlling to get you in there. Just saying. Between that and the, uh, and the uh, whatever, the flu shot, which I think is a scam too. Yep. Well, I think the problem too is that when you get natural, you know, a uh, you know, homegrown weed, you're getting – it doesn't have all the mind control – agents that the government want to put in there it's kind of coming right from mother earth you got to you feel very natural and one with the earth and your fellow human beings while uh you know they want to pump you full of this fluoride and monsanto gmo nonsense yeah to, uh to get that that brain control from the flu shot activated it's needed it's like a symbiotic relationship between the two i see where you're going with that you know, they need to lock the two together. You know, they kind of forms like Voltron inside you for them to pump their, uh, their message. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for the week. That it does. So, Mario, thank you for your uh, roundup of Fotherens. 
that was some good stuff. Um, again, check it out, skibumpodcast.com. You can still check out Mario's posts on uh, the socials too. Twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, Facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, Instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We are also on SoundCloud as highfalutin skibum and we are on Pinterest as the highfalutins. I'm going skiing this weekend, so hopefully I'll have some, some good stuff to, to post up. Otherwise, nice. we will talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay falutin. See ya.